Hello and welcome to the Min Max Show. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by Kyle Hilliard. Hello. And then two other people. Kyle, who are these lovely people? <laughs> Ashley and Devin? Yep. Hey, good okay. job. Yes, remember the names. How's okay. it going, guys? Hey, thanks for being here. You are all with Team Rocker, Call of Duty's professional or sorry, Minnesota's professional Call of Duty team. Yes, yep. yeah, absolutely. So the Call of Duty League just started this year. Actually, the first event happened here in Minneapolis at the Armory, and it was awesome. And we've officially brung or uh, brought esports and uh, Call of Duty to Minnesota, so we're stoked. Yeah, it's it's very fun. I like listening to your podcast. It's really surreal, like listening to your podcast about building out Team Rocker and like going through the trouble. Of like, okay, we need a logo that's a little bit Minnesota, but not too Minnesota. And it's like, yeah. oh, that's the MinMax struggle right now of like <laughs> yeah. going through a visual overhaul because we're going to like reboot our stuff soon. So it's very yeah. fun to listen to. Yeah, that's awesome. It's definitely like, I mean, it, we obviously have great ownership and investment right away, but, you know, we are a startup. We're building this whole thing as we're going, and it's been a really cool journey so far. Honestly, things have been moving fast, too. I'm not going to lie. Like, like think really about, fast. Like, I've been blinking and things have just been happening. Yeah. Think what kind of things? What do you mean? Ago. Like, I feel like it was just a couple months ago I visited the facility, and it was just like there was no furniture. It was still Empty. being built and everything. And like these last couple of weeks, we just you can walk in there, and it looks like a whole actual gaming facility. Yeah. It's just nice to think about and see how everything started, and then things just like yeah. started you're, to You're watching up. it grow in real yeah, time, literally. right? Yeah. yeah. It yeah. all happened a lot faster than I expected. Yeah, it's wild. On our YouTube channel, we have like a tour kind of showing off because you guys had a lot of press there to kind of walk yeah. folks through. I felt so bad for you having to give the spiel over and over again about oh, like, no, it's oh, okay. esports, it's a little bit like real sports. You guys said that like so many times, yeah. like, oh, this media, it must be so frustrating was, to have to deliver that message over and over, it was over a, again. It was a lot of media the week before the event, which me and uh, Brett Diamond were, were doing a lot of that, but and, and some of our players as well. But it's I actually don't mind it because I really like telling people about this new cool thing that I'm so passionate about. I've been in this community yeah. for 10 years playing Call of Duty in the esports community, so getting to tell new people about it although it is a little redundant because i would say a lot of the same catchphrases like it was still like exciting to share with people yeah i love you call them catchphrases yeah i mean yeah i was like <laughs> it was because it would basically because i'm trying to think of a way to like boil it down like how do you boil it down for somebody so right. you just would end up saying a lot of the same things but you know we got the message out the yeah. first event was a really good success it was a hit for sure yeah. oh that's nice yeah that event was super fun congratulations and it was yeah. fun like seeing your like Intro video on the big screen where it's like, oh, yeah. Devin from Blaine, Minnesota. Hey, I Check it out. When I seen that. I felt famous. I'm not gonna lie to you. I seen it on the big camera. Hey, that's me. <laughs> How uncomfortable is a scale of one to ten to do those shots where you're just like leaning against the wall, like trying to look cool? Do you really get up in at your first, head while filming those? At first, it was like I was just like, because I basically just tell them whatever way you need me to set up, let me know. But they honestly tell you to just have fun with it, feel loose with it. So it's. The first couple times I felt kind of weird about it, but after that, it was actually kind of fun to be honest. You feel famous. <laughs> you actually feel like a celebrity. So Oh, that's awesome. It, it was definitely fun to do. Well, hey, we'll talk about your lives, Rocker, everything like that. A little bit about Call of Duty, Call of Duty's future, other games, because I don't know how many outlets you all have to talk about games other than Call of Duty. So we'll get to all that right, stuff. Yeah. We have other stuff as games. well. Okay, great. Yeah. Good to hear. Uh, but, Kyle... We should plug yes. uh, the deepest dive on Chrono Trigger. We just wrapped up. We do like community game clubs or kind of like book clubs, That's except awesome. we just break a game into chunks and just go into like excruciating detail. Arguably too much, too That's much right. detail. So we talked about Chrono Trigger for six hours. The final episode just went live on YouTube. If you want to check that out there, if you're yeah. a Patreon supporter at the five dollar tier, you unlock the audio version. And then I also wanted to plug that at that five dollar tier, you also get access to an upcoming tabletop stream. Uh, this Thursday at 8 p.m., if you're an early listener or viewer of this, you can watch us play Concept, which is kind of like a Pictionary-esque game, and we're going to be taking prompts from the community. I'm really looking forward to it. It's one of my favorite games recently. So. All right. 
Do y'all play tabletop games much? Um, I used so Not I used really. to I used to work at Games by James when I was what? like seventeen. Yeah, so really? I, I like at the, the Mall one, of America? Yeah, I worked at the one in Burnsville, and then I did a couple stints, like a couple months at the Mall of America store. Okay. Well, so mm. so yeah, I I I did partake. I got into like the the big hitters like Catan and stuff, but yeah, I haven't done a long time. I've been meaning to get back into it, and I've been thinking about it because a couple of my coworkers and people that I know are, have been getting into D and D, and I've been thinking about. Yeah. making the big jump. I don't know if that counts as a tabletop game. I oh, it's, it is yeah. the tabletop okay, game. Yeah, say. for sure. I don't remember like what they're all labeled, but I was like, that sounds kind of lit because like you, there's it's so in depth and like it's something to do. So. Now look, you're a master of content, so I don't want to tell you what to do here at midnight. But oh, sure. if you streamed like a Call of Duty themed D and D session, Ooh, people would, would go dope. nuts for that. <laughs> that <laughs> yeah, has that been done before? I don't know. I know I, you can have like custom rules and setups. Thank you so and stuff. much for giving me this nugget because I might actually try to execute that. Because we got some people at our office, and I'm sure some of our players would get into it too. Because yeah. once you explain it to them, like it sounds kind of lit. So yeah, yeah. If we were to stream that, that would be cool. Yeah, be super fun. Anyways, also in this episode, Kyle, we're going to talk about a uh, kunai. Am I pronouncing that right-ish? I assume. Okay, we'll ask, we'll a newish Metroidvania that's going to be challenging, and Kyle will talk all about it. And then we'll talk about like the Anthem reboot. What appears like E3's reboot, uh, big news oh, on that sure. front. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then also Dreams is actually coming out on Valentine's Day. It's been in early access for so long, but now the PlayStation 4 game is out. We played through the entire campaign uh, on the Great Cody Hunt stream yesterday, and so there's a lot to cover there. And then, of course, community emails with maybe a special guest. Mm. Um, okay, so you got Games by James. Yes. Also, most importantly... You worked at Valley Scare? Yes, for for <laughs> for one fall before Black Ops 2 came out. So yeah. Before Black Ops 2, Devin, that, and that was to put it in perspective. Just Sorry, real, I, I, I like how you timestamp periods of time. Yeah, like, I this put, is the call, put, this is the Black Ops yeah. 2 year. I, I put years into Call of Duty. So that's yeah. 2013 for you guys that don't know. But <laughs> but that was before I started streaming, and that was before I'd seen like any like financial success. Really. I mean, I'd had like a little bit from my YouTube, but it wasn't anything to, to support myself with. Um, so I was like, oh, maybe I'll just get this seasonal job and check it out and because my sister wanted to work there so she ended up being like one of the like scarers or like oh, monsters. Oh yeah, we, we should set the scene. So there is, because this podcast does go around the world. Oh yeah, true. So it is no, Valley scared. Fair, which is an amusement park in Minnesota here. Yeah. Uh, one of the happiest places on earth. I just love it. And then yeah. every Halloween they have Valley Scare. Yeah. And so it was a horror themed area of yeah, the park. Yeah, they like get, basically convert like a bunch of these like small trailers into like mazes. Have you been to Valley Scare? Yeah, no. Isn't it all of October too? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, like all of October. the end to the first of the next month i'm pretty sure but yeah no, it's definitely lit. i'm not gonna lie i've been there a couple <laughs> yeah, times yeah it's in my life. it's a good time so and i got to go through all the mazes like before like while they were like getting their monsters ready or whatever so it was pretty yeah. cool i, I kind of hate those things but <laughs> also had a good time but i, I remember ended- when i went there it was a very alarming moment that really took me out of it where i was going through the spooky haunted house and then there was a zombie looking guy and he snuck up behind me, and he did like the clicker sound from The oh, Last of Us. No. Oh, and so it took me awesome. out. I was like, "Well, now I just know you're a Last of Us fan, man. Now I know you're not, like, a real can't zombie. zombies can't be Last of Us fans. I guess maybe he Dude, played it before he died. Clickers yeah. terrify me though, so I don't know. It makes it. Oh, I'm so excited for Last of Us. Too. Sorry, I don't want to get like too, no. Too please, far down we're here but... to talk about games. Remember so, like, were, were you one of the people who would jump out and scare people? No, so I was yeah, security. So I was like, that oh. is cool. I I had a flashlight, and I would stand behind these. So there were certain points. Oh man, I'm giving like inside baseball of the valley scare thing I'm sorry guys but but there's like these little curtains and they have access to certain points throughout the maze We're, the security's there to make sure that like the monsters don't get punched if somebody's too scared <laughs> oh, no. I give them a very quick way out and also if anyone messes with the props 
then I take care of that. So I come in with my flashlight, like, hey. So I'm sitting here in this like fog machined, like little like three by three part of a hallway looking through a curtain. And I see this kid, like we had an upside down pig. It was like a butcher house theme. Yeah. So this kid like, I don't want to say what he's doing, but he started messing with the pig and like <laughs> grabbing it and stuff. And so I put in my flashlight. It was like the time I actually caught someone. I put in my flashlight. I was like, hey, because I'm like, I'm like a five, five chick. Right. So I wasn't like a bouncer, but I was like, yeah. hey. And he was like, oh, my God. Like, he had no idea he was being watched. And he, like, uh, he probably pissed himself a little bit. And I got, <laughs> I got kicked his whole group out of there. I felt kind of bad for his group. It's got to be, like, nice training for dealing with uh, trolls on the Internet, though, I'd imagine. Oh, it's just sure. so much streaming yeah. you've done throughout your life. You've had to deal with, especially Call of Duty fans are wonderful. But just from yeah. my trolls. experience as a game informer, there's a lot of folks can, out there that can get very feisty. I will admit, even me, I can be a little I toxic. Trolly. I'm not yeah. going to lie. I, I troll a lot. Of, like, someone will troll me, and I'll troll them right back with another yeah. troll. Like, yeah. it's just a com- community yeah. full of trolls. Yeah, it's fun. I'm and, not going to lie. Like, it's fun. Like, <laughs> like Twitter gets wild, Twitch chat gets wild. So we've seen like some some craziness, but yeah, I can't like. I mean, I guess you. You can don't just keep ban a flashlight him. on the desk yeah, to like no. shine into your maybe, webcam. Maybe I should give them to my Twitch moderators so they could be like, "Hey, mm. get this guy out of here." But <laughs> doing some mysterious yeah, action with that pig. That. Yeah, an emo with a flashlight. Like a if you, if you like have a, a flashlight in the emo chat, ban them. Get them out of the <laughs> chat. <laughs> there you go. All right, I do want to know. So, your official title with Rocker is a director of content. Okay. What have you learned about how to introduce players to the world? It, I mean, it's tough because, like, you know, especially in Minnesota, like, we've never really had, like, a Call of Duty team or an eSports team to, like, get behind, right? I mean, yeah. there's T-Wolves Gaming, and they've done a great job. They, I mean, they won champs, I think, their first year here. So so we're starting, like, eSports is starting here in Minnesota, but it's it's kind of my job to, like, introduce Minnesota to people like Tiny. And mm-hmm. Tiny, luckily, is from Minnesota, yeah. so there's that instant See? connection that people, like, feel with him. Are you the only player from Minnesota, then? Yeah, though. Yeah. Honestly, I, at one point, I thought I was the only Minnesota Call of Duty player like in the scene. To be honest, with you. like it was so lonely for a minute. But then, <laughs> as was. I got announced on Rocker, everyone's like, "Hey, I game." Even people from like high school, they hit me up like, "I didn't know you played video games." I'm well. Here we are now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's cool for sure. So it's kind of like my job to introduce people uh, to to our players and especially like our guys. Like like we're one of the team or one. I guess about maybe like half of the teams in the league require their players to live and operate where their team is playing from. Right. And that was really important to us too because like like we know that Minnesotans specifically don't really attach super hard to the team if they know oh they're just flying in from LA twice a year to play for us and rep it on their chest. Yeah. So so to have like. The ability to reach not only Minnesotans, but just, you know, anyone in the world who's interested in Call of Duty and being it being played at that high level, you know, getting the players out there in content, whether, I mean, it's podcasts, it's, you know, stuff like this. You do a lot of, like, Minnesota-themed quizzes on Twitter, which yeah, is surprisingly yeah, we, entertaining to watch. Yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> we try to do, like, funny, just content like that. Yeah. Easy to digest stuff that you could see, like, on our YouTube or even on our other social platforms. So, yeah, so I think the... The number one way to get people connected to a team is through content. And I think you're seeing that even in traditional sports is bumping their game up on a more like behind the curtain look at their players. And How do you like make that. that not feel forced? That's what I'm trying to figure out because it can easily come across as like dating profile, right? Yeah. Like, oh, you got to meet Tiny. He loves long walks on the beach. And oh, yeah. don't, you can't tear him away from his lemon bubbly. Yeah, you don't want it to feel corny or like, like yeah. a, and mm-hmm. some of the some of the players are like a little more comfortable on camera. Like I would say Tiny's pretty comfortable on camera, yeah. but some of the guys are a little more shy, timid. So it's just getting them to bring their personality out and make them comfortable because that's going to that's gonna be what translates in the content and making right. sure that they feel comfortable when we're recording. And I think just like having fun with it. I mean, yeah, the vibe of the team like feels it feels like a big family so far it feels like everyone like every single person who works for us or plays for us is 
passionate and equally mm-hmm. like driven about the same goal, which is, you know, either whether it's winning in game or like having the, the better what we think is the best content, like everyone's driven for that. So they like everyone gets it uh, pretty much. Me and Alex and I actually got our ex. All three of us were talking the other day and we were like, we personally think hands down our like rocker just from fans, supporters to the workers, everything, everybody just feels comfortable. So it's like yeah. the vibes are there. Yeah. Me? So when it goes to on camera stuff, just have fun with it. It's just that simple. Just have fun. Be yourself, and you feel me. Don't you don't have to portray anything fake. Literally, they tell us have fun with it. Be yourself, and then everything's good. Kyle, you taking so notes from Min Max here of how to introduce Jeff him better on camera. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah just tell him to have fun with it. <laughs> get him, yeah. get him comfortable. I mean, it, it's okay. some, certain people aren't as comfortable on camera, but I mean, the, the the more you expose them to it, the more you kind of put that phone or put that camera in their face. They're like, okay, I guess I'm gonna try to ignore this now, <laughs> yeah. and, and they'll they'll get used to it. It's, yeah, yeah, it's a process. Yeah, it's wild. You talked about it on the latest episode of the podcast. Uh, which is just how effective it is to have an esports team as a franchise connected to a state. Because yes. like when you guys came out for the first time, the crowd went wild. And just when you're introducing a new team without any connection like that, it's like, eh. But you have this team now, and it's like, oh, kind of related to the Minnesota Vikings, same owner, stuff like that. So you have that same level of enthusiasm just baked into the entire team here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and one thing about like Minnesota too, and Tiny, maybe you can like add on to this, like. I don't know about you guys, but I'm passionate as heck about anything like that reps us. So yep. whether that's a sports team or anything, like even let's this podcast, like Min Max, like it's very sweet. There's a connection there, right? <laughs> so and I and I think Minnesotans are pretty prideful. I think when it comes to Minnesota sports, people get attached. And I mean, esports is now it's it's new, but it's something else for Minnesotans to get attached to. Yeah, definitely. That Minnesota love. That's really it, to be honest. Minnesota. Minnesotans in general, if it's just in Minnesota, they're going to love it usually. Yeah, because yeah. so. I, I think part of it too, especially when I'm looking at it from the esports scope or the gaming scope, like we feel kind of overlooked. Like we usually don't get those big events here. They always go like, if it's going to be in the Midwest, it's maybe Chicago or it's mm-hmm. in LA, you got to go to LA or mm-hmm. Florida. And it's like, we feel kind of, or at least I did for a long time, felt like overlooked because there was never a COD event here, right, Tiny? Or not, never like a was, huge one. I didn't think there was going to be one here for a while. And then once you actually told us it was in Minnesota, I was so happy just for yeah, because I've been playing Call of Duty since Black or World at War. Actually, just public matches in World at so War. That's two thousand and like nine. I think you're right. Yep. Yeah. Yes, two years just, after, just two, years after, sorry. We, two years after COD. 4, I, you I mar- you mark all the years with mm-hmm. COD. So what he means <laughs> yeah, by World of War is like ten plus years ago. Exactly. So <laughs> two thousand nine, two thousand ten. I was playing public matches, and then a couple like a year even after that, I was like, I literally looked up on Google on the computer mm-hmm. events here, like LAN events, like yeah. whether it was like GameStop, anything. anything that I could just go and see other people doing it with. So after I figured out it was here, I just knew that the love and support was going to be there for sure. Yeah. Because the way yeah. I felt. I figured out a lot of people felt about gaming. So I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. it's definitely going to be. And then that's one of the things, one. too, like like coming in. So our team in the league, there's 12 other teams in the league spread out all across America. Then there's also a London and a Paris team. Um, our ownership is brand new to esports. All 11 of the other teams either have experience in Overwatch or other esports. So they truly came in super fresh. Yeah. And that was one thing that, you know, was, I think, maybe like maybe at the at the beginning, it was a little bit of a struggle for, for just us to figure out, like, how do we do this? How do we get people interested? But how the team has been built so far has been really exciting. And I think that, like, 
care that goes into building the team came across in the ads and, and the promotion to get people in the event. Yeah. And then I and I honestly wasn't sure. I don't know about you, Tiny. You can maybe like attest this too, but I didn't know like if the fans would like grab on to our players because at COD events previously, you know, one or two of the most popular teams got those chants. I've never mm-hmm. seen like like God of Rags and our guys, they're not like yet superstar level players that get those chants and so to see them have that and that experience like that just warmed my heart so much because it means that minnesota took to our guys and our guys like have a future here and it just really like re like reinforces the whole that the whole thing that we're doing here and so it's really it was really special and not to make it too minnesota centric and too much of a minnesota love fest but you're from minnesota originally yeah where are you from i'm from i grew up in uh i mean i was I think I grew up in Ridgefield and then moved to Prior Lake when I was like eight. So yeah. I went to high school there and everything. So yeah, I'm originally from here. I did move uh, down to Texas for a couple of years with, with Optic Gaming, mm. uh, but then came back here and then this team got announced and it's the rest has been history so yeah. far. Feels like I've lived like two years and six months. Okay. So obviously <laughs> Call of Duty has consumed your life uh, in a good oh, yeah. way. Yeah. Uh, before that, before you were playing Call of Duty, what were like some of your favorite games going back um, in the day? So I've been gaming since I was five, actually. I've just always been drawn to gaming. So I started off like on Super Nintendo, playing Mario, Donkey Kong, just the, the, the classics, obviously. Chrono Trigger? No, no. Oh, I don't fix think it. Duck Hunt. Is that or, or just listen to six hours of a podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean it sounds thing. like I'll have some content to dive into if you're trying to understand. <laughs> but, but yeah, I got into those games. And, you know, as I was growing up, like, if there was an arcade somewhere, like, hey, Dad, can I have a couple quarters? I want to go play. Or, like, it just uh, was always a thing. I didn't actually get, I just played, ga- I, I think my favorite game growing up was, like, Grand Theft Auto, so that whole series. I've actually been playing GTA since the top-down version Yeah, on so PC. the first one you were playing? Yes, on, oh, on that's PC so fun. when I was, like, nine years old. And your parents, were they, were they were cool with that? They, I, so I didn't actually buy the game, but I was playing the demo. Yeah. So I would just play yeah. the demo over and over and over. It was the same the mission every time. Yes. I'm totally with you. GTA part. 2, that demo. It was one of the most played demos of my life. Just trying to get the yellow cheetah. I remember that was my <laughs> only goal. And then just hearing that stupid old radio chatter. It's like, they got a 1034 on rap. Yeah. But it's just like baked into my soul because yeah. I played that so much. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's how I felt about GTA the whole time. So then fast forward, ended up, you know, hearing about Call of Duty 4, which was in 2008. I worked at Costco Wholesale at the time. And I kept seeing the game come through the cashier lines. My mm. coworkers started talking about it. So I was like, I don't really, like, I've played, I think I tried Halo at some friend's house before. And I was like, eh, not my thing. Like, I don't so like, was that your first FPS? Yeah. Was Halo probably? Uh, yeah, technically, but I didn't like buy it. But yeah, Call, yeah. So Call of Duty is the first FPS that I ever bought. And I was like, yo, this is so addicting. I don't know why. I just got mm. instantly addicted to it. Yeah. Uh, are you guys big campaign people with Call of Duty? I used to be, but then, like, I think over the last few years, I just stopped playing the campaign more so, just focus completely on multiplayer. Like, every, t- every time a new game comes out, I just nerd out on multiplayer. Just try to figure yeah. out every map, every game, everything. Do you think, though, if you played the campaign, like, on the hardest difficulty, you could still yeah. be a cakewalk? Ooh, tough, I, I feel like bro. I could. Because but I used to do that for older the, campaigns. Uh, if you've done it on older campaigns, you'd probably be yeah. fine, but I couldn't do it on the older. I would always get naded. Always, <laughs> like, every time. Like, especially on World of War, you try to play it on the hardest difficulty, there's always a nade at your foot. Yeah. And you're just like, oh. Okay, so it's such a huge leap between, uh, I got really into Call of Duty 4. I think a lot of people listening are yeah. watching in that same camp. But then to go from that to, oh, I'm going to devote my life to it and I can, this is my career now. Like, um, what, what are those milestones that you hit in playing where it's like, I don't. How do you soak it in to that level? Are you just doing more research, just spending more hours? I think it's just getting obsessed with it, truly, uh-huh. being truly passionate about it because I didn't like... Like now, you can look at a Twitch streamer or a YouTube channel or a podcast and say, okay, that's success. That's what I could try to achieve. But mm-hmm. this time, there was none of that. There, nothing. I was looking up on forums, like certain like 
advantages in the game that you could get and stuff like that. Like that's how I was consuming like gaming content. So I always like loved gaming content. And then um, I saw when Modern Warfare 2 came out, I started like Googling because I wanted to see gameplay of it early because I heard like through the forums that people had it early. And I was like, oh, so I found on YouTube for the first time, yeah. you know, all gaming videos, Modern Warfare 2, Sandy Ravage playing on Rust. He had the game early. For some reason, it was allowed online at the time. Weird. Wild West. And, <laughs> and I saw it and I was like, oh, this is so cool. And so I start watching other YouTube videos of people playing Modern Warfare 2 and I find this guy named Hutch. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of him, but he's like a legend in the COD scene. Mm-hmm. You know Hutch, right? Yep, yeah, I've seen. Uh, so, so he was doing like videos where he was actually talking over the gameplay, which blew my mind. I was like, <laughs> what? I was like, well, if he could do that, I could do that. So then I started, I mean, I had the worst capture card ever. I'm talking like 360p, easy cap. <laughs> it cost like $20, a bunch of like, co- like a TV like this is what it was connected <laughs> to. Yeah. yeah, and and I like just put up my shitty gameplay and I, well, it was good though. Like I was okay. It looked good and it looked bad at the same time. I put up my great gameplay in bad quality and <laughs> I, uh, I basically would talk over it and kind of do my thing with it. I would just like, yeah. I was just kind of doing what other people were doing. I got really into it, and it just kind of See, snowballed from there. That setup was a lot better than mine because I was in an MW3. What year was that? Quick uh, test. 2012. <laughs> See, okay, 2012. I was in like seventh grade probably, and I had Dang, an Android so phone. Young, bro. I had an Android phone, and at the time, I didn't have like money to go just get a capture card or yeah, anything, or yeah. even a computer that would record for me. Yeah. I, I literally would set up my phone like somewhere in front of me, so it didn't have me in the video, but it had the screen. So uh, I would try to upload off that, and it was it was bad. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> but that's like pure passion. Like yeah, that's that, that yeah. was pure passion. Like, where what? I was like, I want to do this. I'm gonna do this regardless. How much of like your skill level for both of you is from just encouragement online? Like, do you think you'd be that motivated to get better and better, and better if people weren't watching you? If you were just studying other people? I think so. And maybe I'll let you answer. I'll mm-hmm. go first. I started playing. So COD Four. How I got addicted to it was my first game. I, I didn't have, like, a mic in, and I had, like, a stupid gamer tag. It was, like, PLHS or something like that for the prior, like, high school. And <laughs> and, I, and I'm and i playing, and I, I'm playing TDM on Overgrown, and I must have gone, like, 2 and 28 or something horrid. And these dudes on the mic, they were, like, oh, they, like, started naming me. They were, like, oh, we lost because of this person. Oh, you <laughs> yeah, like, they were being super toxic as COD players can be, or as all gamers can be sometimes. And uh, so I was, like, oh, my God, I never want to play this again. I back out and then I went into free-for-all because I was like okay well if I suck at free-for-all the only person that has to deal with that is me right. I'm gonna lose the game yeah. and that's my fault yeah so, but then like there's so there's seven other people in the lobby with you and the person with the first of 30 wins or most kills in 10 mm-hmm. minutes and I was like addicted to that because I started getting better like I started like oh I went like four and ten this time not bad like and then I like would get a little bit better and I would start to play with a little more confidence because I was learning the maps and how it worked and then I just got addicted to this feeling of being better than all seven people in that lobby. And, and then it got to the point where I was winning every time. Mm. And so I was, I mean, I didn't tell anybody about this except for maybe some of the guys at work. I was like, yeah, I really like it. It's cool. Let's play. And I just, it was an instant addiction for me. And then, I mean, the content, like, I've always been a fan of, like, video making and that type of stuff. So mm-hmm. it just kind of went hand in hand. But, yeah, it just started as a, as a passion. How did how did it go for you? See, for me, I started playing the Halo. There, oh, my bad. I started playing Halo more, like, when I first started, like, playing video games, video games, but before that I'd play simple things like NBA, Madden, sure. games like that. Was this like Halo 3 then? Well, or what? Yeah, Halo 3 actually was the game. Okay. Once I realized you can play, what really got me is I was better than other people around the world. That's what really uh, kicked it into me like, okay, this is my first game online I'm playing. It's a shooter game where like, you actually have to be better than the other person, and I was doing that. I was being better than a lot of players, so I was like, 
okay, well, this is fun. But then my brother came home one day with his friends and started playing Call of Duty, and it looked way more realistic. So I was like, I want to play a realistic game. Got on Call of Duty and just instantly was just really just naturally good at it. Hand in hand, it just came to me. You feel me? Mm. So I would I would say more so once I realized that you could actually like make a living off of it and get to positions where we have now like professional gamers. Yeah. I realized that more so in like Black Ops Two, watching all the major yeah, events. I don't know why. Every, do you remember Scum's little video on Yemen? Yeah. Yemen hardpoint where he's yelling, "Who's the best in the yeah. game?" Who's the best I don't in know the why game? that so always intense. that always brought fire to me, and I was like, I like that. I want to like you feel me? That was that's passion. So I was yeah. like, yeah, I like that for sure. Were you and always unbelievably like competitive before that? Even though my whole family, yeah, it, yeah. it really? runs in my family. It's competitive. We'll make literally small bets. Like I'll bet you a dollar you can't do this. Boom, and then <laughs> turns into an argument, and it's, <laughs> that's just how it was. You were just always competitive. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, have you ever? played a game that probably came out the same year you were born uh perfect dark on nintendo 64 i've never heard of that i bet you 20 dollars i can beat you in perfect dark you probably could to be honest yeah here we go here we go i'm not denying (laughs) you probably could (laughs) can i play you at some point one-on-one in perfect dark what console do I need? N64. N64. I don't have that. You have it here? Yeah, no. I have I have it behind it's split us. Screen, yeah. uh, you know, I don't know how much time you guys have today. I don't want to pressure you guys into anything more than you <laughs> signed up I, for. I got but... like an extra five minutes if we could do that. Oh, he, we'll see. You we'll think see. you can okay. beat him in five minutes? <laughs> oh, I can mop the floor with him in yeah, five minutes. Yeah, yeah. I, honestly, I'd probably be learning, how do you do this? How do you do that? I'm I counting mean, on that. That's my only you, chance. I, I would say, give him like two warm-up games and it might be a problem. Yeah. I, I would know. love to see it's how a, you handle an N64 controller. It's a controller. first-person shooter, but you only use one control stick. I don't know if you can wrap your head around that. Oh, jeez. What do you mean Wait, you only use one yeah, Have you ever played like Goldeneye or Perfect Dark or anything on 64? Have you ever played a 64? Yeah, I have. Okay. When I was like really Mario young. Yeah, yeah. When I was really young, I played those type of games. Oh my I God. never played first person shooters on them. I didn't even know they made them, to be honest. Yeah, with you, you. Oh my God. So it would be yeah. really exciting. I want to see you play this game for sure. I yeah. definitely want to see this game. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so outside of the shooter space, I mean, do you guys have time to play any other games? Or especially for you, are you just grinding and training with Call of Duty so much that you don't have time for anything else? The way I look at it, I grind Call of Duty like 90% of the time. But there's always that time where I'll be sitting there like, I want to play a different game just to have fun because yeah. if you're just sitting there playing the same thing all day, all day, you're going to get good at it, but it's going to get stressful. You feel me? So I, I'll play Madden, 2K. I'll go play computer games. Like for, I suck at Fortnite. I'll hop on Fortnite just because yeah. play a computer game just here and there. Just honestly just to bring uh, it more When you vibe. say you suck at Fortnite, I mean, you'd still, there must be some I'm saying Fortnite there. on the computer, actually. So just the mouse and keyboard. Yeah, what's your yeah, average yeah. placement? Like where do you land usually? I Well, when I used to play when the game first dropped, I would get usually like, six to eight kills a game and I landed tilted. I just wanted to instantly get into action. Mm-hmm. I didn't like That's yeah. like pretty good. Bro. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. doing yeah. fine. But that, was, but that was before people could like build. Like now I True, hop in the yeah. game and I'm getting yeah. put in a box in like two oh, seconds man. and I don't know what to do. Fortnite's like, stressful nowadays. It is. I don't know. You can fly nightmare. with cars and everything. I, I'm lost. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> not so mine. lost. Not realistic enough. If, if, if there's no building, okay, I'm going to be good at it because you got to yeah. shoot me and I got to shoot you. But other than that, yeah. I'm not building you. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's fine. You can I, win. I, I like to play. I mean, I so I streamed and did a lot of content like on my YouTube and Twitch, and, but it was mainly Call of Duty focused. I would always kind of dive into other games, but yeah. I would always come back to Call of Duty because that was the bread and butter. That was what most people watched me for, but... I love Red Dead 2. I just recently finished it. I Congratulations. got 100%. 100%? I 100%ed it. I did Boy, all cow. the challenges. They were awful. Do you I feel did like the hunting. Oh. It was 
Do you intense. feel like that dragged down the story experience, though? Like, trying to squeeze nah. in so much bonus stuff in there? No, it was great. I love the game so much. I love all the characters. I love Arthur Morgan. And so I finished the game, like, you know, a month or two after it came out. But then over time, like, I would take pretty big breaks. But then I would, like, really get addicted to it for a weekend. And then just slowly, it took me a year. But I did hit 100%. That's, That's wild. Impressive. Is it your favorite Rockstar game? Ah, no. Really? I don't. I love oh. Rockstar games, so... I love Red Dead too. I that would, that's like the most recent big hit that I love. But I mean, obviously GTA Five, San Andreas is my all-time favorite game. Oh, so really? All-time favorite great game? Memories, so many oh, great that's memories. Awesome. That. I've just replayed it so many times. I did 100 on that too back in the Remember day. Remember that weird mm-hmm. co-op mode in San Andreas that people don't talk about, where you have to be like yeah. on the same screen? It's oh, like the, this janky the mode mess. that's actively not oh, fun. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the only way to make GTA not fun is trying to shoot co-op before it was ready for it. Uh, yeah, uh, there, there were like weird like because you couldn't go off screen with each other, so yeah. you really had to be like right there. It was, it was weird. Yeah, I remember when GTA, the, the, the most recent GTA, GTA 5, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember when it dropped and, like, nobody could get on the servers for oh, like yeah. zero hours. Revolutionary. Yeah. I remember because that was the first game. Even in Call of Duty, I never did it, but all my school friends were getting up really early to play the game. So I was like, Damn. okay, I'll get up early and play the game with you before, like, I get on the bus. Yeah. And I was so disappointed because I got up and I couldn't play. Yeah. No. So, like, I got up at, like, 4.30 in the morning because oh, I got to no. leave at 6.30. Downloaded the game and by five I just couldn't play and the whole time I'm just sitting there like I could have been asleep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would go play the tired campaign. All day. Like, gaming, yeah. This was literally the worst decision of my life. Rockstar got <laughs> like, you good, bro. I love the idea, and I promise I won't keep harping on how young you are, but it's fascinating to be yeah. like, oh, that old game GTA Five, because you were what, like 13 when that game came out. Then 13. Yeah, it was a while ago. Yeah. I was. A, I, was like, I think I. Was it no, no, no. I, I, I think I was 15. I think I was a freshman in high school. Okay, okay. okay. So you were like when GTA yeah. Online, yeah, yeah, really yeah launched because it, it didn't launch with online. Right. Yeah, it was like two weeks or a week something. Yeah. Did you get into Red Dead Online at all? I, I tried it the first day it came out, um, and there was some issues with it, or I didn't really like the pricing of things and mm-hmm. how long yeah. that would take. But I have heard that it's kind of lit, and so I've been thinking about it. Like, now that I have, like, more time after this event has happened, I was super busy before that. But, you know, I've been thinking about hopping on there because, I don't know, I want to remake my chick and everything, too, because she looks kind of busted. So I want to, like, remake <laughs> her. And, like, it's hard to make, like, a, an attractive person in Red Dead Online. I like, it's the 1800s. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't even trying to make her attractive, but just, like, I wanted her to look badass. But then yeah, she yeah. just had, like, a mouse face, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah. So yeah. But I, I've been thinking about it. Do you guys get on there? On, on uh, I tried really? it a little bit. I should go back to it at some point. Cause I've, like, I've heard it's gotten better. Yeah. It's, it's changed a lot. Like, even the way it controls is a lot different now. Really good. Yeah. Right, because I tried, try. like, was it Gun Rush? What was the name of, like, their little battle royale in there? Right when that Something came like out, that, yeah. I was like... I just don't know why I would ever play this with like Red Dead controls and a battle royale. It sounds it's not yeah. a good shooter game. Like no. I don't like the reason I play Red Dead isn't to shoot things. It's for all of the other like atmosphere and just the mm-hmm. missions and everything. It's yeah. a realistic game actually. Yeah, I'm yeah. I mean, but they I have cool like online missions. And I was even looking up like while I was doing 100, percent I would go back to my like finding like articles about like certain things they need to do because I was like, dude, how do I get these spoon bills? Where are they at? So I'm like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would like go on there to research and then they would have like some online stuff and I was like, oh, that's cool. Like maybe I will like mess with it a little bit. Yeah. See how it goes. So uh, throughout my years at Game Informer, I went to all the Call of Duty studios, I guess, like Infinity Ward twice, yeah, Sledgehammer so, yeah. twice, uh, Treyarch there for Black Ops 4. We filmed like some rapid fire interviews there and stuff like that. But uh, how much do you guys like keep up to date with the development of Call of Duty. How much communication is there between the pro scene and the development scene? I mean, there's a decent amount. I personally don't really 
stay in touch with a lot of it just because like I'm gonna play the game whatever you give me regardless of the fact. You okay. Me? I love Call of Duty, so I'm gonna play the game regardless. I don't mind yeah. when you update it. You know, it's in yeah, the middle just, of this tournament. Just that's let great. me know when you update it so I can update it and go do something while it's updated. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm good, so I can come back 30 minutes later and play. So. Yeah. yeah. So I, I've actually been to a couple of the studios as well. I've been oh, awesome. to Raven in Wisconsin. Oh, what Infinity is that like? Ward. It's awesome. It's I really. I want to go to Raven because they're really the unsung heroes of the entire Call of Duty series. They, at this they point. really are. And they did a they did a lot of cool stuff before they got into helping Call of Duty. So yeah. I think, yeah, Raven's a super dope place. Only like three or four hours from where we are now in Wisconsin. Been to Infinity Ward, been to Sledge. I don't think I ever got to Treyarch, but I would go out there to kind of like, like I was a, a part of the content, like, I guess, influencer team that would capture like new event DLC packs. So they would bring us out to show mm. us the new DLC packs and we would get some footage and then like talk about it. Wait, um, so you would capture it just for their trailers or for your own for content? For my own content, okay. yes. Yeah. So, so it was in a way to kind of like promote them organically because we were right. all so excited about the maps when they would come out. Um, so yeah, that was a good time. Did they pick your brain a lot? What, what type of things did the developers want to know from you guys? Yeah, I mean, I've gone out to dinner with these people, right? Yeah. So I like, went out to dinner with Michael Condry and told him my unfiltered opinion on Advanced Warfare at the time. Like, they, But you do it in a constructive way, right? Uh-huh. You don't just say, oh, what the heck, you know? What is right. this? Yeah, did did Condry I mean, seem receptive? They're, they're people too. Oh yeah, they're, I mean, the people that make the games that we all love, is they're real people, right? Mm-hmm. They're not just some entity you scream out. I mean, I do, like, as a joke. <laughs> like, I, like, when I'm playing a Treyarch game, I say, Vondahar! Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, Vondahar is like a little bit of a buddy of mine because I've met him. There's a rapport sure. there. Like he's he's a great guy, and so like, I'm able to like understand the difference between like this is a real person, a human being that you know has feelings and everything, and then like here's what I think about their game and how do I put that in a constructive feedback for them. Yeah, and I mean, I think they appreciate when you're able to be constructive instead of just like. What was that? Uh, what was that charity thing you did? That uh, the, which one? The, the, the Call of Duty Endowment. Where we know we did it with. Uh, oh, uh, uh, I forget what it's Hearts called. Hearts and Hammers. Hearts or? and Hammers. Hearts yeah. and Hammers. Yeah. They so literally like, asked us like, "Hey, what do you think of the game?" Like any, literally yeah. give us con- constructive so, criticism. So oh, I was nice. like, "Okay, well, Wait. that's the first time I've actually like kicked in like, okay, yeah, I can actually talk to them like one on one about it and tell them how you feel about the game." And yeah, because because we did like it was like a charity thing that we had mm-hmm. done through like it was in association with Call Duty Endowment, and they found a local charity here, and then Activision. I don't know if you guys know like some of Activision based out here, so. Yeah. You know, yeah. they were there and like, yeah, they're really, they're all people. And yeah. it's really, I mean, it's a huge, like company, huge thing. Um, so who knows like where my voice goes into all that. But I mean, whether it's through content or, you know, getting to talk to these guys and yeah. girls face to face, like that is how you be constructive and give them your feedback. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was super fun at the at the kickoff event. I ran into like a developer from Raven. Awesome. And they were like looking at the game like, I worked on this game for 10 years and I do not recognize what's going on in the screen. <laughs> which is just like, it's so wild to see developers be like, what have we created? Yeah, oh my God. It's kind of crazy too because, well, especially Call of Duty and I think other games have this thing too, but, you know, there's different kind of sects of, or sectors of, of players, right? So you yeah. have like the hardcore, like mm-hmm. the hardcore grinders in, in Tiny, like he's going to focus on Search and Destroy. Or, I mean, he plays the other competitive game modes too, but like S&D's this thing. There's a whole community of Search and Destroy people. Yep. And there's also the sniper community. And then there's the tryhard community. And then there's the people that kind of suck at the game, but you they can still... can't forget the troll community. Yeah, the, the trolls, like, the, the people with the ride shields all over. Like, it's, <laughs> there's all different types of the community for them to try to please, so I could see how it's obviously difficult. But it's been interesting, yes, kind of like how closely do I follow, like, the, the developers. I, yeah. co- I follow it pretty closely. I like to see, like, 
who's coming out with the next game, what do they kind of like to specialize in, or what's their kind of vibe? Because I feel like, you know, when you play in an Infinity Ward game, which is what Modern Warfare is, there's kind of a vibe or like a style to it. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, you'll, you'll have a Treyarch game, and you're like, I know, this is like a Black Ops game. This is, yeah. this is how it is. Do you have a sense of what's going on with Vonderhaar? Uh, it seemed like he tweeted something about stepping away from the Call of Duty series in 2019. I'm not trying to get any inside scoop. I'm just wondering <laughs> if you have a better sense of what is the status over there. Um, is he still on the franchise? He, I actually have no. I, I think uh, from from his tweets, that from what I can tell, he's still like working with Treyarch and doing his thing. Um, I'm not sure in what capacity or yeah. you know, because there was a lot of cryptic stuff. And he he's a PR handler's worst nightmare, as self admittedly from him. He's tweeted that. Uh, yeah. So, so he's tough to handle on Twitter. But I think you know. It, it comes back to just his passion for, for the game and everything and for yeah. what he does because he's been working at Treyarch and making these Call of Duty games for longer than Tony's been alive, yeah. maybe. Maybe 20 years. Like, yeah, it's it's a it's a <clears throat> it's his whole life's work, right? So I don't I'm not sure like what the status is or I'm mm -hmm. not even sure like who exactly is making the next Call of Duty. There's kind of a kerfuffle with uh, that. It, yeah, it seems I like it's think, gonna be I think it's gonna be a tag team yeah. thing going on. So I'm excited though that I mean it excites me that I I mean I I get excited for a new COD every year. Every I'm year. I'm that person. Yeah. So, but. so on the Modern Warfare cover story trip, a big point of messaging from them was like, "Hey, we rebuilt the basics of COD from the ground up. Like it's a newish engine overall. A lot of phrasing coming from, you know, PR but those from the developers and trying to read it between the lines. But when we were playing it out at the studio, like all the developers were watching us like, "What do you think?" Doesn't it feel completely different? And for a relatively casual Call of Duty fan, it's like, oh, it feels like Call of Duty. feels good. And they're like, it feels completely different. So I'm wondering from your yeah. like professional outlook, when you first get your hands on Modern Warfare, the recent one, did it feel night and day different? Definitely. You, okay. you talk about the movement, maybe. Yeah, no. <clears throat> it definitely felt... I definitely felt like it was a real Call of Duty game. I know there was a lot of like backlash on it. There's too many buildings, too many people. To, like You got to worry about too much stuff. It feels like a Call of Duty game. It's like a you got to be strategic about it. You can't just run like Black Ops Four. It was more so like if you could shoot straight and like the movement was nice because there's different types of movements on games. Like Black Ops Four, obviously you could move a lot quicker, slide. There's, you could break cameras and everything. But Modern Warfare is more like a okay, I'm gonna you feel me? I'm gonna go this way, you go that way. Or I'm gonna stun this way. Look over me while I do this. You can't just run and do your own thing. Really, I feel like it's really hard to at least. Yeah. So yeah. it just feels like a more like basic Call of Duty. It reminds me of Call of Duty 4, to be honest <laughs> with you. Yeah, really I, th does. I yeah. think that's what they're going for. And I think that's <laughs> what the, I'm pretty sure that's what they were aiming for, so yeah. they did a good job on that. So yeah, it I, definitely reminds me of like a basic Call of Duty game, like back to the roots type thing. Basic slower? Is that what that means? Or Slower, yeah. It's just definitely slower. Yeah, definitely slower. More so just like, like I said, you can't just run around. You can't do like fly around. You can't do all this futuristic stuff. It's more right. so like, if you were to go to war, this is what you would see type thing. And you all prefer that over the... <clears throat> I, I like kind of a, near sci-fi stuff. I like a mix. I like to be able yeah. to run and gun around the map and just, I mean, if I'm better, I'm better, right? Yeah. And not to say that doesn't happen on Modern Warfare, but Modern Warfare, there's a distinct difference in, like, how heavy your character kind of feels. Like, especially if you were to play, like, Black Ops 4 and then right away play Modern Warfare, mm -hmm. it, there's, there's a difference there, a different feeling as far as, like, how fast you can move and how weighted your movements are. So maybe for a casual person who just kind of plays Call of Duty here and there, they maybe not might not notice it, but if you're playing it as much as we are, like, we definitely notice that stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Another thing is, like, people were... I actually just got this, ask, this question asked during stream the other day. What do I like better, jetpacks or boots on the ground? Honestly, like, it's more so 
I like jet when I when jetpacks first came out, I wasn't a fan of it. When Advanced Warfare came out, I wasn't a fan of flying around and everything because like I was a basic Call of Duty fan. I want to be on the ground, yeah, play on the ground. <clears throat> but over the years, like I think Black Ops Three, it really kicked in. Like, okay, this game's actually fun. You get used to it. You're like, okay, it's not that bad. But Black then Ops oh, was good. exactly Dude. that's what I'm saying. But over time, I feel like it's just more so. If I played jetpacks for a year. I want another year of boots on the ground, but then boots on the ground comes. I can do another year of jetpacks. You feel yeah. me? So like, yeah, it's yeah. just more. Honestly, it's just I'm a fan of Call of Duty. So whichever one I get, you'll take it. Exactly. Even if it's I mean. on the DS, the Call of Duty Four version on DS, you'll play it. You'll yeah. enjoy just it. Give me yeah. Call of Duty. Just uh, have you checked out the mobile version at all? <clears throat> I actually haven't. Okay. I've seen Dude. one of my friends was actually playing it, and he was actually getting killed. I'm like, how are you doing that? Like, because <laughs> like I said, if it's not a controller, I'm not gonna be good at it. Right, like keyboard right. and mouse, not good at it. He's on a phone touching things. I'm like. No, <laughs> you might be better than me on a controller if you can do this with a phone. Like, yeah. Do you want know what's funny about that though? Apparently, and I didn't know this, mm-hmm. but I got on there, and apparently, in the first few matches, I forget how many it is, but you're playing bots so that you can get used to the controls. Right, so they so really make my, you feel good. I had my first match. I was like, I'm a god. I'm a boss. <laughs> I was screenshotting it, putting it on Twitter, and then oh, everyone no. was like, Midnight Desert like bots, <laughs> and I was like. I'm gonna delete my delete, 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 delete. <laughs> yeah, so COD Mobile's pretty cool. I like yeah. what they did with it. It's cool. Did you guys get into Blackout? Dude, Black- yes. yes. Okay. Yes, I so love it's Blackout. all I wanted to play last year. I couldn't get super into, like, I mean, I like Free For All and so just draw. Mm. I like Black Ops 4 as a game, but Blackout was just the reason that I just kept coming back to it. I love. I mean, it goes back to my free-for-all thing. Like, I love dropping into a lobby with 99 other people, and if I'm the survivor, I just feel amazing. Yeah, I, I real it. boss. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, Blackout was the ultimate re-game for me. Like, a long day of just playing the online game, playing competitive all day. Hey, you want to go play Blackout? Sure. And then hop in a game and just, it's literally like, a battle, it's a battle royale, you feel me? It's definitely just yeah. a different swing of mood. And you can't lose, playing. right? I mean, how many, what percentage of games would you I win? Mean, I'm not going to lie. Blackouts, I, I lost a lot of blackouts. Okay. I wasn't Blackouts a, I, tough. There's yeah, a lot no. of RNG going on. Like, For you sure. never know yeah. what you're going to pick yeah, up, see, you know? There was a, there's definitely a lot of players, even competitive players that stopped playing because blackout grew so big to the point where you could make a living off of blackout. You feel me? Yeah. Just like how people are doing it on Fortnite, how people are doing it on all other battle royale, PUBG, all that. You could actually make a living. So there were some competitive players, like who were really talented, who just said, "Okay, you guys do this. I'm gonna go play Blackout." You feel me? And they would yeah. stream it daily, like yeah. rallied, uh, yep. every TP, everybody. You feel me? Everybody would just stream Blackout, and so they were real tryhards in Blackout. Like <laughs> yeah. I would go in there sometimes, laid back, and next thing you know, just get absolutely obliterated. They're going and I'd be hard. like, "Oh, I know exactly who that is." Like oh, there's wow. real tryhards in there. <laughs> So and even some under underground players, there's some real tryhards in there. So that's why if you go in there, you better be turned. You better yeah. be ready. Yeah. It's funny to me that you sort of say it's almost like a like that's what you do at the end of the day to like de-stress. That's what I did, but blackout. other people it's took it seriously. It's like the most stressful game <laughs> in the world to me. It's tough. Yeah. yeah it's it, tough. And there were rumors like in the recent well, the recent like season two for Modern Warfare, the trailer, they tease pretty heavily that the battle royale is coming. Like people yeah have been leaking this for a while, like, this is definitely a thing. Are you looking forward to the inevitable mm-hmm. Battle Royale Modern Warfare? Do you have I thoughts? And... I, don't, I don't know if this is true. I, didn't, I haven't been able to, like, just absorb as much of, you know, the, the news as I wanted to, but I saw that there is, like, a blacked-out part of the menu that says coming soon. Classified, I think. So, yeah. yeah, classified. So they might freak around and do it. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm landing 
I'm landing terminal. I'm gonna. Be, I don't even know if that's a point on the map. <laughs> I was about to say, if that's not. a point on the map, I'll land there every I'm term, time. I, the terminal is my favorite Infinity Ward map. Hey, they so. might have, what if they threw Rust in there? I they bet just they added would. Rust yeah, on the just, multiplayer. If they yeah. threw Rust in there, I could see that. Oh yeah. man, just that's make like the weird amalgamation, yep, kind of like yep. Blackout was. Yeah. I'm trying to remember Blackout. They tease like, oh, we're gonna be pulling from other Call of Duty games, but mm -hmm. I don't remember how much they actually did. It was, it was a lot. It was a lot of the black because you it was would, just the you could land though. like, um, gosh, man, I'm bad at the map names nowadays. See, look, I uh, they had Array from Black Ops yes, One. Yes, that was the one. I was just they trying had to think Firing of. Range. Yep. They had Friend. I think it was uh, now looking back at it. I think or, it was all Black Ops maps. Yep, that's the thing. Yeah, it was all Black Ops, right? Yeah, yeah. I, don't yeah. Think they, I don't think they. So they, they pulled uh, Tyson. I think. Yeah, right? you know it's crazy. The only time I've ever seen like Treyarch and Infinity Ward mix their like universes was when you could be Price and play in Blackout. I thought yeah, that was crazy. That was yeah. that is really so. Wild. So now I'm thinking like you know maybe all the care. I don't. I don't. I'm just theorizing. I have no idea. But like yeah. maybe I could be like Ghost or someone. And I think they just put Ghost in the multiplayer aspect. So like what if I could be him on the on the battle royale and then like I land terminal. Oh, it's, I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> I think it's probably gonna happen, right? I hope so. Do you hope that it's like a standalone thing that maybe? I don't know if you own Modern Warfare, you get early access. Are you guys just praying for, can you just give us one consistent platform to work on and improve our skills instead of jumping every year? Well, what do you mean for that then? Uh, do you hope that like the new Battle Royale is just like, hey, it's the Call of Duty Battle Royale, whatever the hell they call it, and it's a standalone thing just so that you can learn your skills there and you don't have to kind of reboot what game you're great at every oh, year? Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's basically just a whole new map. Well, like, a, like, like it would be like own, a living game. Like, like ideally, they would update game. it for oh, the years okay. to come as opposed to re-releasing it. Oh, yeah, it, yeah. Know? No, honestly, I feel like that would be a good idea because there's still a lot of people who play Black Ops 4 Blackout. You right. Yeah, so I yeah. guarantee you if they just, they, yeah, they, they, they could keep, keep it. it. Exactly, right? they keep updating it. So it's not like they just forgot about it. So yeah, honestly, if they did that, this game, if they made a really good battle royale, this game, they could definitely keep it. I think. For I mean, years you saw them do that with COD Mobile, right? Like COD Mobile mm -hmm. is yeah. its own thing. So maybe. I mean, I know they they probably Activision seems to like the yearly release of Call of Duty. I don't think that's going to stop anytime soon. But yeah, if they were to have some type of like constantly updated sector of the game, what I think would be awesome is if the BR mode in this game was free to play. Bring in those people, you know charge the skins or whatever just mm -hmm. how like how fortnite mm -hmm. does and then like that could really get people like whether they've bought the game or not like reinterested in, in the franchise yeah yeah absolutely sweet I, your level of play Devin. i'm mm -hmm. curious like what's the last breakthrough you had when was your last like big level up experience did you ever have like a moment within the last like six months where it's like oh i've reached this epiphany and now i'm great at this um honestly all right first off i'm not gonna lie that when I got announced or when I got picked up by Rocker, that's was that oh, was sure. the that was the moment where I was like, okay, this is like a next level. This is a step up from what I was doing before. Because before I was playing just strictly amateur community, like I wasn't really like known for like competitive competitive. I was more so like a streamer. Yeah. But now it's like <clears throat> I'm actually a player. I'm a sub player. I still get to play in the Challengers League. But like that level of just difference is it, definitely there. I noticed it right then and there. And then what about like with your actual play? <clears throat> with my actual play. I'd say the more I've honestly gotten into a lot better lobbies with like the higher up players. At that moment, I realized, okay, this isn't like I can half butt it. Like I can just go <laughs> easy sometimes, not try all the time. Now I feel like I consistently just try, try, try because I just want to keep getting better. You know what I mean? I, one thing, even my little brother texted me the other day: don't get complacent. Just don't sit to where you want to be. Like just get better. You feel me? Yeah. You have so many more days to live. Why not get better with each and every day? 
Yeah. So that's how I look at it. So that's what mid maxing is all about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Do you have uh, <laughs> this is? Uh, I'm sorry for this question, but do you have any tips out there for people? Like, if people are wanting to get better at Call of Duty, yeah. are there just like go to examples? Like, hey, buy this controller, you idiot, or watch these streamers. Like, I mean, what are the go to tips? Honestly, watch. Yeah, watch streams. That's what I did. At, yeah. at, at least, like, I used to watch Fizzer. Uh, rest in peace to him. He was one. Of, he was who got me into Search and Destroy realistically and streaming and all that. But yeah, just watch streams. Controller, it's honestly, I don't even, because there's so many ways you can play with a controller. Like there's mm-hmm. claw, tactical, default. You can do that. It's just all your comfort zone. So the controller, I don't really have an answer for that. Do you use those weird uh, analog stick extender things like that they really try and push? No. Nope. Yeah. I do. I don't. I like them. Do you? I, I yeah. like these flat default PS4 sticks. You feel me? So sure. I, Dang, I get those all the time. The, the regular. Yeah, I don't, because all the other sticks, like my hands aren't that big. So like I don't like reaching over and grabbing it. True. It's definitely like, yeah. and especially like, remember when competitions were played on Xbox and then they moved it to PS4. Right. So when I moved to controllers, like my, this sounds so stupid, but like my muscle memory and my hands like were sore for months. Really? Getting used to this new mm-hmm. placement of my thumbs with the, with the way the sticks were. So like, it, I mean, controller stuff is all just personal preference. Though. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So watch streamers and watch, get comfortable <clears> with the controller. Watch streamers, get comfortable with the controller and just play the game. Like, yeah. just, and actually want to get We've been playing better. the game. We're yeah. not yeah. that good. Yeah. We need your help, yeah, man. That, that's, too, and that, that's usually, and I, it's such a cop-out answer, but I usually always tell people, because I would have people come into my stream like, mm. dude, like how, I'm not, I'm not even on the professional level, but they would watch me play and like I've played so much. So, and but that's the big difference though, is like time played. Like I've been playing this for a really long time. I'm really accustomed to the game. Yeah. Um, one thing that maybe is more helpful that maybe people don't like think of as much, but what I did, like I started with free for all and then like I moved into search and destroy. I kind of like took it a game mode at a time. Cause mm-hmm. if I'm like, like now they have all these mosh pads and stuff. So I can see how that's like kind of confusing. Like it doesn't really like, until you learn a game mode, it's not conducive to you like getting really a, good at it right if you're trying to get good at multiple game modes at the same time so i would say pick a game mode and like learning the maps is the number one like thing right, so understanding yeah. like like once you get used to how a particular <clears throat> game mode is played whatever one it is and once you start getting used to the maps that are played on that mode you start to have a sense of oh well we just killed four of them over here i think they could possibly be over here and i'm kind of more aware of that now so you're mm-hmm. aware of your positioning you're more aware of the map and you're more aware of where the enemies could be coming from so i would say pick a mode and really try to put effort into learning the flow of the game and the maps and that's just going to come from time played i know that's not the easy answer that everyone yeah, wants no, that but, works that works but it does like just pick something and start getting good at that one thing and then you can Maybe you get bored of that, you move over to another game mode and try that. So. Yeah. Devin, is it weird to be like at the start of your Call of Duty career in a big way, right? Mm-hmm. Being brought onto Rocker. Do you feel the pressure of like a professional athlete of, I don't know how long this is going to last, so I should be very smart with my money and yeah, really no. try and spread this out? <clears throat> like, what, what are your thoughts just on, oh boy, I might be retiring at age 27 here, so I need to make this last. The, w- the way I look at it is, money-wise, my father always told me, just don't be done with your money. Like, <laughs> wise it, words. You feel wise me? Like, words. it doesn't grow on trees, so yeah. I like to just save up a lot of money, but um, also, like, just thinking about it, I don't like really thinking I'm going to retire this year. I Because I personally believe, like like I said, I can get better every day, and if you if I put my mind to that, that's where I found most of my success from. You feel me? So, like, no matter what, no matter what people like, if people think badly of you, if people don't believe in you, any of that, if you believe in yourself just to get better every day, that's how I, that's how I get, you feel me? Just, yeah. That's how I get better. I just, I know one day I'm good at this. Okay, next day get better at that. You feel me? As long, even if it's minimal progress, it's still progress. So yeah. I always just, I don't plan on retiring at the age of 27. I plan <laughs> on doing this for a while. Yeah. Well, you've made an awesome transition mm-hmm. now to be content director oh, over there sure. and stuff. Yeah. I mean, do you have advice on just what, 
the average age 30 looks for looks like for a lot of your players? Yeah, because I mean, I'm 30s and I started like getting into Modern Warfare 2 and YouTube. That was 10 years ago. At this right. Point, right. And I wasn't like successful at it right away. It was it took a lot of time played and effort and a little bit of luck. I was doing the right thing at the right time. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, I don't, I, and I haven't really ever thought about it, you know, during my whole twenties, I was like, this is a really fun ride and I have no idea when the expiration date on this thing is. So I'm yeah. just going to keep trying, yeah. like, like to Devin's point, like getting better every day, like I'm going to try to put up better content or, you know, kind of maneuver through this thing and figure out what works for me and what I like to do. And, and that's number one. So as I kind of went, you know, and towards like the end of my twenties and then streaming and everything, uh, the last couple of years, I was kind of feeling like not stale, but I definitely hit a plateau in my growth. And so I was like, oh, like, is this what I want to do? Like, I was paying my bills, but it wasn't like, like, I wanted something like to really feel like I was like moving forward and leveling up. Because mm-hmm. when you get to that point where you're kind of hitting a plateau in life, you, you got to kind of change it up a little bit. And I got extremely lucky because I just moved back to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And a month later, this this Minnesota franchise got, got announced. I said, I got to work with them. And Otherwise, you just would have been streaming? Yeah. Uh, for, yeah, yeah, I probably would have okay. been streaming and just trying trying different things out as far as games like, by James. Yeah, game, no, definitely. <laughs> I mean, no, I've actually went back there not to work there, but I went back there recently. I bought some Yu-Gi-Oh cards and I was like, "What's Hell up? Yeah. I used to work here." <laughs> but but yeah, where's so, James? Yeah, yeah, where is he? But but no, yeah. So it, it's been like a long life of just you know feeling it out as you go, which I think people should do more of. I think. Even though you don't know what's next, that doesn't mean that nothing's next. You just keep going and pushing yep. through. And if you're passionate about it, if you love it, like you just keep doing it. So that's that's what I did. And I've had a couple lucky breaks along the way. Um, but that's all because I'm still working hard while the, those things are happening, right? Yeah, so. I, feel like, I feel like to add on to that, like it's very important to yet when you're grinding and trying different things, you also got to be happy. You feel me? If you're doing sure. something, if you're doing something like if I'm playing Call of Duty and I'm not happy, like. I'm not gonna enjoy my days playing Call of Duty. You feel me? So right. number one, number one thing is just make sure you're happy. You're actually liking what you're doing in this whole thing because if you get bored doing it, you're just not gonna want to do it, and then you're not gonna be good at it. And not, not, you're wasting time at that point. Right, make yeah. sure you're happy with what you're doing, and then a lot more will come. And the trolling makes you happy. So Literally, yeah. yeah like, <laughs> If, well, if right. you troll me, I'm not even in, now I'm not even in a bad mood. So if you troll me, I'm not going to get mad. I'm going to do it right back. Like, yeah. okay. Give it take. Give yeah, it take. absolutely. Well, hey, anything you guys want to plug uh, with Rocker or just social media, handle, uh, social media handles, any of that stuff? So, so yeah, definitely give Rocker a follow. We're at Rocker on Twitter. You can find mm-hmm. us on all other social platforms. Uh, we're, we're going. Uh, R-O-K-K-R. R-O-K-K-R. That's right. Uh, so check us out on YouTube. I mean, we're uploading content to everything, but especially on YouTube, we just started our docu-series called Saga. So it's following really closely the team as they move through their competitions in the season this year so that's really exciting yeah um and we have another event in may at the armory uh, may 9th and 10th at the armory so we'll be having another event and this time it'll actually be a tournament format so you know the last event that we had in january was kind of like predetermined matches and they were all really great matchups but this next one is kind of where we're starting off we know who we play right away and then the rest of it's a tournament so Hopefully we'll be playing on Sunday that day and you guys can come cheer us on. So yeah, uh, and then awesome. as far as like like our tags, uh my tag is at midnight MN on Twitter. Shout out to Minnesota. <laughs> and yeah, mine is at tiny underscore two T's two Y's underscore. So that's perfect. That's yes. Perfect. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for talking by. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no, this is a good time. You guys yeah. are awesome. And I'll I'll keep uh keep watching the show because now I'm now I'm a fan. So. Oh, that's oh, very right. sweet. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, uh this is the first time we've ever done this here at MinMax, but uh do you all want to clap out? Just give each other a high five high there. High five. What you sure, let's do? let's go high five. All okay. Right. Peace out, guys. Oh my god. Oh! 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 It happened.
it still works. It still works. <laughs> oh. still works. We have Jeff Marchiafava wow. back in action in his normal seat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just wonderful. And Jack Gardner. Hi, everybody. Hey. First time on the Min-Max show. You were here. Second time. Well, well you were here for Min-Max. For Max spoilers on Jedi Fallen right. right. Order. That's Completely right. different. Totally different Totally different, different basement. Yep. Uh, Jack Gardner, basements. you helped out for so many years uh, <laughs> at Game Informer with Extra Life. I did, yeah. I, I'm mostly uh, writing for Extra Life since like 2013. Writing for them, not raising from money for them. Raising money for them was just something that I was doing because it's, I, I like helping children. Oh, what you a good monster. <laughs> uh, but then also, yeah, you're always at the Extra Life. is very helpful. You were in kind of the first wave of the rebooted Game Informer internships uh, mm-hmm. back in the day. When, yeah. What year was that? 2012. Oh, my God. Wow. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> Remember Allie Rapp? Remember that was a big story in the industry? Yeah. yeah. Hey, that was a weird time. She was an intern back then as well with was Josh Strobe as that's well. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 She's yeah. doing well, by yeah. the way. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, good, good. to hear. That was good to hear. Uh, also, you have the best games period podcast. Yes. Is that, that name wasn't taken, really? It was not, wow. so I just went with it. Yeah, very impressive. So it's just one Ocarina of Time episode, and you guys are you're good? Uh, I mean, we're on, like, episode 140-something. <laughs> we're almost at 150. Really? Yeah. Wow. Congratulations. That's Thank wild. you. Thank you. Jeff, and what are you doing with your life? <laughs> this? Yeah. <laughs> now I feel like a slacker. <laughs> yeah, get on it. Get on my level. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have some things to talk about, some more newsy items to talk about, if you're all down for that. We'll get to games in a little bit, uh, but... Anthem. Uh, this week, Bioware released a statement. Casey Hudson, uh, GM of the studio, uh, had a big blog post just saying basically like, hey, you know, we've been working hard, but uh, I think this Anthem thing might need a little bit of an overhaul. So he says, uh, we've also heard your feedback that Anthem needs a more satisfying loot experience, better long-term progression, and a more fulfilling endgame. So we recognize that there's still more fundamental work to be done to bring out the full potential of the experience, and it will require a more substantial reinvention than an update or expansion. Over the coming months, we'll be focusing on a longer-term redesign of the experience, specifically working to reinvent the core gameplay loop with clear goals, motivating challenges, and progression with meaningful rewards, while preserving the fun flying and fighting in a vast science fiction fantasy. Science fantasy setting, sorry. And to do that properly, we'll be doing something we'd like to have done more the first time around, giving a focused team the time to test and iterate, focusing on gameplay first. Yada, yada, yada. Creating new worlds is central to our studio mission, but it's not easy. Sometimes we get it right. Sometimes we miss. Hmm. So did they not focus on gameplay first the first time around? I think what that's... It is the most interesting part to me as well, talking about like, oh, this time around, the idea of a focused team and time to test and iterate even though they had so much time, clearly that project was still coming in very hot. It was a bit of a mm-hmm. mess spread out between Bayor Edmonton and also yeah. uh, down there in Texas. Like I visited the studio for the cover story back at Game Informer, and it was such a weird time because visiting that studio was, hey, uh, I played Mass Effect Andromeda. That was rough. Now you all are doing something bigger. How are you going to pull this off? And I was like, oh, we just got to focus. We can do it. And then it comes out. And yeah. Well, I could have used more time in the oven. I think... You mentioned like him saying specifically focusing on gameplay first, which is interesting yeah. to me because I think the the thing that works with Anthem is the shooting and flying. Yeah. So, but I guess right. when they say gameplay, they mean more of like an umbrella term. That like, well, he talks loops about having like, the loops and yeah. figuring out the loot systems, the all these things. Play, because because yeah. I think that game feels good. It's so just too. a lot of stuff around it that came up short. Yeah. You know? yeah. When you so. look back on Anthem, Jeff, how do you feel about it in retrospect? Uh, pretty bad. Okay. <laughs> but okay, but I think I think that is a 
it's almost the opposite of a lot of games where when you look back on games, you kind of just remember the good gameplay stuff. Yeah. This one had so much other problems surrounding it that I, I, it does take a second to think like, yeah, I actually did have fun with the, with those core mechanics. It was just, everything else was kind of built around a lot of other stuff, live service kind of stuff that, you know, no one wanted to begin yeah. with. And I think and even some like the world building down in yeah. there is stronger than people give it credit for. There's a part of me that wants to do like a deepest dive on it or something. It's like no one talked about the characters in Anthem. Everybody just talked about the development. Yeah. Of Anthem. But I'm, there is some interesting stuff in there. There were interesting characters, but it, the whole way that they were trying to deliver that story of like you go out yeah. with a group and then you come back and have your own private story moments that always just happen in the basement of this castle or whatever. Meanwhile, like, your friends are over voice sucks. chat, like, hurry up, yeah. let's go. <laughs> yeah, and that that is just one of the many, that those are the kind of things that I remember looking back mm-hmm. on it as sucking. Yeah, for and sure. So, yeah, it, it is, you're, n- you're not going to fix that with just an update. A lot of right? it reminded me of uh, Titanfall like the original Titanfall's campaign. Oh, sure. You remember yeah, like the multiplayer they, focus yeah, thing? Yeah, they, they tried to have like kind of both worlds. Yeah, story and cutscenes just are tough when it's like also right. trying to be a cooperative experience. Just like no one's really figured it out that well. Yet, yeah. You know? And so there's a Kotaku article back in November of 2019 that was leaking a lot of this stuff from sources within Bioware saying, hey, we are working right now on. Anthem Next or Anthem 2.0 they had different terminologies for it within Bioware trying to figure out what this thing is but I do think it's really telling that they did like hey this won't be like an expansion this mm, is going yeah. to be a reworking and even in that Kotaku article they mentioned it might just be a, a whole new game that they re-release so part of my question is why why are they doing this with Anthem as opposed to like Mass Effect like what like what is making Anthem so special that they're doubling down on it because so much to become profitable (laughs) i think yeah i mean they spent so many years on it they need the thing to be profitable and to be fair like it was one of the best-selling games last year was it number it sold well it sold crazy launch but but um i think it's just yeah they sunk so much time into it and so it's like it's there's something there we can rework this we can make it better compared to mass effect i mean they have a toolbox to rearrange some toys in with anthem whereas mass effect andromeda it's like oh boy you'd be building a whole lot of new stuff. So it's like, it's not unsalvageable at this yeah, point. Yeah, and, and Anthem is also the vision of, you know, like EA's dream game of a live service thing that goes on forever right. that you're yeah. going to keep on mm-hmm. paying money into in order to keep on playing, you know? Like, right. that's the ultimate end goal that they're trying to get to. Whereas, you know, you can fix Andromeda, but people already bought it. What mm-hmm. what else are you going to get out of that? Right. Yeah, for sure. And in that Kotaku story, they talked about how... They're debating like breaking up the world of Anthem instead of like, oh, one large, basically seamless world. Now we're going to break it up into smaller sections so we can be more dynamic and it won't break the entire game if we change this little bit within Frostbite, stuff like that. So it'll be a weird idea is flying around and like, okay, more loading, more loading. But if it allows them to be more flexible at the development, I'm excited to see mm-hmm. what they do. And hey, maybe they can hide like story bits in front of the loading screens. Hey, that sounds hey. good. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, think, I think it's a good thing ultimately. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I guess we'll see what the final version looks like. But, like, there there was a base there with Anthem that did not hook in for me, but I liked flying and shooting. And I was like, if there, if you can take that and do something more interesting with it, and I, I think it still has potential. Yeah. You know, I feel like Destiny recovered from sort of a, a bad launch kind of in a similar way where they, like, reworked a lot of things after yeah. development. And it, and it 
you know, found it, refound its audience and grew again. So I, it, it could be a good thing in the long run. We'll see. Yeah. It, it's also weird that Bioware stuck the thing that they're historically not good at and screwed up the thing that they are good at. You mm-hmm. know, like like the idea that they created an experience where the flying and the shooting, like those core <laughs> gameplay right, mechanics, right. actually are really good. That I think that's what a lot of people were very hesitant about, where it's like you're making a multiplayer shooter that you know, you want to compete with these other games that companies do so much better than you. Like, Mass Effect has never been about the gameplay that much. Yeah. They've had that, you know, a multiplayer component to it. And Jamina played that's not okay. Why, yeah. That's not why people played those games, you know. And so for them to, like, screw up mission design a lot, which was really surprised. That I think that was the most surprising thing to me with Anthem. And then, you know, fumbling with how they're laying out a story for people. Like, hopefully... I don't want to say anything about this is going to be easy for them to improve, mm-hmm. but but those are the company's strengths to begin with. So hopefully right. those are things that they can actually and deliver And during on. development of Anthem, didn't a bunch of people leave and there was a lot mm-hmm. of like studio shakeups too? Mm-hmm. Even still, I mean, after it was released, a lot of the producers left. The director, I'm still confused about if he's the actual director on Anthem or what's going on at this point. Yeah, it's a lot of turmoil up there. Yeah, so it, it could just be one of those things where like it had five producer like five different directors and like five different level designers and producers yes uh but it yeah, was producers it was, it was john was. varner for a long time and he goes back he's like the producer on toy story 3 and then he was an odd choice to be the director of this project but he was the director ever since casey hudson left bioware originally okay. so the director stayed the same but definitely producers it was shaking up, and especially then after Andromeda ship, they brought in Mike Gamble. Like, okay, you're a producer now, and then also let's bring in Mark Dara from the Dragon Age franchise. So it was definitely a shuffle for a lot of that talent. And even like for the cover stories, one of those like, who are we speaking <laughs> to? Who has <laughs> been here for the full development of the project? Oh, uh, John has the director, but he's not available for interviews. It was like, <laughs> what a weird thing. Yeah, so maybe it's like kind of reading between the lines there. Maybe like focus development is really just like, a stable team where it's they just yeah. have yeah. one vision yeah. of what this is going to be. And especially pulling it to either Edmonton or to Austin, mm-hmm. right, instead of having it be Split. that straddle development. But there's a story earlier this week that was kind of a prelude to this. I don't know if you saw it. Maybe it was later last week, but Polygon ran it. But somebody just tweeted that they went into anthem to play it again and like all of the christmas decorations were still up like Like they hadn't updated the game since then which is such a weird detail (laughs) you know hey it's a different world maybe christmas lasts much longer that's a good point yeah Yeah, time time is all relative you know (laughs) their their christmas lasts four months months. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, there's also a very weird moment that i tweeted out and it seemed like people got a kick out of which is during our rapid fire interview which was uh God, February 2nd, 2018, I think, is when we posted that Rapid Fire interview, and it was Joe Juba, and the question was to Mark Dara, the executive producer of Anthem, said, like, are you looking forward to fully reworking this game a year and a half after release? And Mark Dara's like, God, I hope not. <laughs> and then, like, you can, like, set a calendar to it. It's like a year and a half after release. Yeah. Okay. No, good on you guys. Like, hey, I mean, that was good, good joke, and you you were absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, that's so sweet. That's all I was looking for, some affirmation. Good, you, yeah, you rolled it out. It. Speaking of affirmation, you're going to find none for the ESA this year. Uh, Hey, people are talking about E3 again this week. Not only, this is, I think, on the lighter end as far as I can tell, but there was some smaller E3 leak where on E3's official website with the ESA, they listed like vendors that already lined up to be at the show and stuff, which is like 
when security is a big issue with them after the whole doxing and stuff uh, last year, it's not a great look. And then on Wednesday, our Lord and Savior, Jeff Keeley, number one Jeff with a G, um, he tweeted out a statement saying, For the past 25 years, I've attended every Electronics Entertainment Expo. Covering, hosting, and sharing E3 has always been a highlight of my year, not to mention a defining part of my career. I've debated what to say about E3 2020. While I want to support the developers who will showcase their work, I also need to be open and honest with you, the fans about precisely what to expect from me. I've made the difficult decision to decline to produce E3 Coliseum for the first time in 25 years. I will not be participating in E3. I look forward to supporting the industry in other ways and at other events in the future. So obviously Mm. after PlayStation backing out of E3 was not a great look. And now this as well is just another, I guess, slight nail in the coffin. So there won't be a Netflix-style press conference. Panel Jeff Keighley. Yeah. And it's like Jeff Keighley, you know, he had the side stage and he had some cool panels yeah, and he, stuff like that. Yeah, there was some cool stuff coming out of Coliseum, for sure. And, Jack, you're saying that the world thinks the sky is falling with E3 even more so now? Yeah, I mean, a lot of I mean, a lot of people I've talked to in the industry, not, mm. not, near, not necessarily like, you know, just... Hearsay. Yeah, sure. pe- or people on the street, but like people who actually kind of know stuff um, are kind of thinking maybe that this is like either the last or maybe the second to last year of E3 because they they don't see a path forward f- for the actual show like it's not really a dedicated trade show anymore and it's not pulling the big names that it used to right and, playstation is a huge blow for right. sure right yeah. and like, well, like what what about what, this it's not going to it's not going to outperform pax right well, what about this for a path forward? Uh, the ESA released the statement, I think it was like last week or a couple weeks ago or something, saying E3 is a signature event celebrating the video game industry and showcasing the people, brands, and innovations redefining entertainment loved by billions of people around the world. E3 2020 will be an exciting, high-energy show featuring new experiences, partners, exhibitor spaces, activations, everyone's favorite, and programming that will entertain new and veteran attendees alike. Exhibitor interest in our new activities is gaining the attention of brands that view E3 as a key opportunity to connect with video game fans worldwide. Mm, so, brands. I mean, that's filled with specific mm. details that'll make you optimistic. What'd you say? Activations? Activations is the key word, yeah. Did they misspell Activision? No. <laughs> no, that's a whole thing. Activations, having yeah, marketing it's, activations. Yeah, it, it's marketing speak for, like, engaging people in a way where they're going to buy your product mm-hmm. or, like, be more involved with it it's confusing so you'll have like the death stranding monster energy booth there yes. yeah where you can exactly. sit on his bed and take a picture of you <laughs> drinking the but isn't that kind of what you want for me three is that type of dopey <laughs> yeah. stuff yeah uh, i mean i get it jeff keely the interesting part is like jeff keely talking about like i've debated what to say about e3 2020 and even on twitter he was replying to people and people asked him like hey was it uh did you decide not to go because of all the journalist info being leaked and Jeff Keighley said, tons of factors went into my decision. And then in another tweet, he said, I just don't really feel comfortable participating given what I know about the show as of today. Oh. It, he's right. hinting, I think, at maybe he's got some inside scoop on just he does not like this direction. So they're planning on making it an offensive show this year. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> just blackface. Everywhere. Oh, yes. yeah, yeah. Well, it's activating. Um, but, like, no, it, it's... It's weird because I know um, when they announced the initial plans for the show, it was like they wanted to have experience stations and like 
I don't think that that's necessarily what anybody who's going to E3 really wants. I don't want to go to an experience station. Yeah, I think people just want to play games. Yeah, those right? were right. the exper- experience <laughs> yeah. stations were kiosks. Back in my day, experience stations was. were called PlayStations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's, it's that weird thing, too, where you know, it's a big deal for journalists and people covering this, absolutely, when E3 is declining because we go there and we get to see what it's like at the show, but for people sitting in their nice comfy beds at home with a big bag of popcorn just learning about video games it's always a question of like how much will really change still in early june early to mid-june you will get a bunch of video game news right and if it's coming from jeff Keeley or coming from a trailer that just drops in your youtube feed how much does it really matter yeah but i i do wonder because everyone's just doing it on youtube anyway which Mm -hmm. nintendo you know kind of paved the way for that to happen but i do wonder like will they continue just doing it during june or do you mm-hmm. just spread that out? Do you is it is it better for Sony to do it when everyone is doing it, or to pick a month when they have all of the news themselves? Yeah. You know, February. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's, a, I mean, September. Honestly, like getting closer to that October November window, if, like make all those big announcements closer to release for all those companies. You know what I mean? Like, or or use events that are bigger and attract more people, which is basically what PAX has become. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. the attendance for E3 is infinitesimal like compared to PAX so a lot of these companies are just why why would they bother going to E3 when they can pay for the booth space and do the same thing at PAX right. for more people and get the same amount of coverage basically yeah. Jeff how much money would you bet that there will be an E3 2021 yeah 2021. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's so too. it's just a question of what is it going to be, mm-hmm. and is is it is it going to be like a weird a bunch of weird, you know, Monster Energy booths and things <laughs> like that. I'm I mean I'm sure as it becomes less important for journalists, the way that the ESA is going to handle it is opening it more and more for consumers and try and transition that into a consumer mm-hmm. event. It's just a question of where you know what's the role that developers and publishers play in that and yeah. and do they care or do they already say we already we have our own show we have a bunch of pack shows that we go to do we care if if we cut e3 from that list you know yeah. and like are is the amount of money that they're gonna have to spend to be there gonna change you know like i i don't know how how e3 compares to other shows in terms of that but yeah or, you know, like a lot of companies, I think EA and Microsoft both just rent out other places around L.A. at the same time. Mm-hmm. And they have total control over what's going on there. And so will they continue to do that as E3 continues or, you know, or just say, hey, once Sony starts skipping it and Activision is skipping it and Rockstar never does anything. So why don't we just do our own thing? Yeah. You know, overall, I think it's a sign of a lack of faith in the ESA coming from PlayStation yeah. and then Jeff Keighley. Like that's the interesting core is, is the core of this entire thing rotten versus will you still get news? Yeah. And, and that, that's the other thing that I think we watched at game informer for a number of years as it was declining where ESA's always just kind of had like this laissez faire, you know, approach to it of being like, well, you know, if people, you know, we've always had a good relationship with Sony, but if they think they should go do something else, mm-hmm. that's fine for us. And it's like, no, you gotta be, you gotta be chasing <laughs> after these people and getting them back go and get Giving them reasons. Yes. <laughs> and so, Don't run to the airport. I yeah. mean, the ESA is basically supposed to be the lobbying group for game companies, right? So it's kind of a big deal when your companies that you're supposed to be 
kind of allied with are just like, no, we're going to go do our own thing mm -hmm. from the main like the value of E3 was always that it concentrated all of those companies so that if you were an outlet, right. you could just send your people to that one thing mm -hmm. and get coverage on all kinds of things. And yeah. now, now different outlets are expected, you know, go go to three different PAXs throughout yeah. the year and yeah. you know, whatever else, GDC and all kinds of stuff. So, well, just remember in the darkest days, remember. And television did promise they were having a press conference at E3 2020. So please hold <laughs> so on your butts. They have to be there. That's yeah. right. Jeff, I'm uh, or, sorry, uh, Kyle, you've been playing Kunai? Yeah. Jeff, can you correct my Japanese? Is that how you pronounce it? K-U-N-A-I. Okay. And now this is like the weapon where it's kind of like a rope with a dagger on the end and yeah, you, and you pull yourself stick up Stick into stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what is this and how is it? Uh, it, it this, look, I don't want to blow your minds, but it's uh, like a... a, a an indie game inspired by Metroid. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Uh, but it's but more I, interesting than that. Yeah, I immediately it makes a very strong first impression. Like, there's a lot of things to like about it right away. Is like it looks great, soundtrack's good, and then your protagonist character that you play as, you're like, all, all the characters are like, um, like TV head robots, the computers. Kind of. yeah. yeah, like it, it makes me think of the robot from Fooly Cooly. Oh yeah, uh, you know that anime. Like, and and. The his, he's, the character that you're playing as is like super expressive. So like when you're crouching down, he makes this really funny face. When he's just walking around, he has a big smile on his face. But then when you swing your sword, he has this really like aggressive look on his face. And it plays really well. And like using the sword is fun. But then the thing that I was like, I was like, oh, this is fun. I'm having a good time with this. But then once you get the the kunai, which basically what it lets you do is like you can use the left trigger and the right trigger to shoot off like a diagonal rope, and mm -hmm. you can use it to like pull yourself up. And it's a little bit of like a Mega Man X, like jumping off the wall vibe to it. And it really changes the way you can move around the level in a way that I was immediately on board. I was like, I really like this a lot. You're a sucker you can, for navigating games. If you can, games. if you can like get your movement speed up in like a fun sort of stunty way, like I'm, I love it. Like mm -hmm. just like like sticking a kunai into the ceiling and then swinging to like throw in another kunai and like, and then and so that that's like the sort of unique mechanic about it and I really I really like it a lot so far. Yeah. Um, I'm probably like I don't know like two three hours and I was playing it like before we were even starting recording day I'm like through one boss so I'm not like super far into it. Doesn't seem easy. Um my yeah it seems okay. Okay. It's not because I it's you you get currency and my assumption was like oh when I die I'm going to lose all this currency which is not the case. So it's not like um uh, what is the game where you hold the, the you're the guy with the needle Dark Dead Cells. <laughs> no, neither of those. <laughs> the guy with the needle. Yeah. Uh it's like Mr. Why? Mosquito. No. <laughs> this is so embarrassing. The guy uh, with a it needle. It was a metro it's like what everyone sort of thinks of as like one of the best. it's Needle Man? Rogue Legacy. It was made in Australia. Uh <laughs> Needle Man. <laughs> the classic. Yeah. Are you thinking of <laughs> Needle? The classic Australian game Jetpack Joyride? No, it was a game. Hellraiser. It was a game. <laughs> we we at Game Informer it did not end up on our top fifty list and it was oh, very controversial. The one that everybody likes. What is it called? Why can't I think of the name? Help us to have the table. I, the black and white one with yeah. the bugs or whatever. Salt and Sanctuary? No. Oh, but that's a pretty well, close. Oh, um, the one where you're going underground. Yeah. Um, the Warmer. <laughs> what the hell Warmer. are you guys talking about? We're getting there. A black it and came white, out on it's Switch with, and everybody it's suddenly like realized they liked yeah, it. Everyone, everyone. Hollow Knight. H Hollow, Hollow Knight. Knight. Oh. It's not as hard as Hollow Knight, I don't think. Oh, yeah. Hollow yeah. Knight. Um, wow. But uh, so, so that's kind of like in terms of thinking of difficulty. Needle. Yeah, you're 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 that's your weapon is a needle. <laughs> okay. Because yeah. a little bug. I did not put that together. Yeah. But it's I, I would put I would say Hollow Knight 
at least at this stage, is a yeah. much more difficult game if you're thinking about like, sure, sure. like what in, in that sort of vein of 2D, really solid 2D platformer, Metroid inspired. Like yeah. I would say, uh, probably harder than like a Metroid, but um, not as hard as Hollow Knight. And most importantly, it is on the Switch and PC. There it is. Yeah, I'm playing it on Switch. I'm really, really enjoying it. Sweet. Uh, and that's K U N A I. Yeah. Kunai. Uh, hey, guess what comes out this week, Jeff? Kunai. Kunai, that's right. <laughs> One more time. <laughs> Dreams for Dreams. Media Molecule. Yeah. Finally out and about. This is confusing. So it's leaving early access. It was released early for those folks that already bought it in early access mm-hmm. on Tuesday. And then on Friday, lovely Valentine's Day, Dreams 1.0 is officially released you for $40. You can switch it as much as you want. That's right. Friday. You can make the day to your dreams in dreams. <laughs> um, so on the Great Goatee Hunt, which is our stream every Tuesday, we took a look at the campaign, which is called Art's Dream. It's weird to even call it a campaign. It's just kind of like yeah. a little story that Media Molecule made. And we played through the entire thing. It was a super goatee hunt. It was. That's right. I think that's how that works. Because um, we played the whole thing. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but Kyle, you're asking how long it was. Yeah, I was it, curious it, how long it was. A little over two hours. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which okay, so like feature film length. Yeah. That's how they describe it. And I don't see it. I don't think people are pissed about it. I guess I haven't checked it out too much. But like <laughs> they've been saying that. We communi- communicated that with our cover story. Yeah. I, I actually was doing some just reading up on it. The very first thing that popped up when I searched on Google oh, was no. an article complaining about how long it is. On Eurogamer, okay. because um, it's too long. No, no, it's, <laughs> okay. it's we waited so many years, uh, and this yeah. is it. This so, is the game. They are yeah. aware that there's infinite other games within Dream. Well, you know right. what? Sometimes infinity isn't enough. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing that was like we've been really close to it, and we yeah. would like know exactly what that game is going to be. But I think for a lot of people, like to me, that Dreams was out last year, mm-hmm. like right. in full. Like that game came out. It is out. Uh, but I think for a lot of people, this is the starting line of like, oh, Dreams is officially out. There's the campaigns there now. And I think that they're putting more weight in that into that campaign than yeah. they probably should. So I think that maybe at least that w- this is one article, because Jack and I were right. talking about this beforehand, that's not necessarily an indicator of like overall perception. But like right. I, I could see, I could understand if someone was waiting for Dreams, waiting for Dreams. And then played this campaign and was like, oh, I thought there was going to be more to this. I think they should be a little more upset by the fact that they said that VR support was coming at launch. And that is not the case. Oh, "Oh, down the road. And and so at this point, it's like, well, if VR support isn't at launch, would they hold it until PlayStation 5? Because it'd be a cool way to, like, debut VR support in Dreams in the PlayStation 5 version of Dreams. Which the PS5 will support PSVR at launch, they've said? Or is it just assumed? Uh, I believe so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so, God, were they cagey about that? I feel like they've announced. You that. were the one that was there. <laughs> yeah, I came yeah, I guess, uh, so. but I mean, I I played like I want to hear you guys' full thoughts on it. Like, I yeah. liked what I played. Like, I thought it was really cool looking and a great like showcase of what dreams can do. Yeah, you Jeff, what would you think? Yeah, I I liked it. I thought about it a lot last night because we during the goatee hunt we got the question of whether we were actually having fun while we were playing it. <laughs> right. And, and, and our Based response our was very damning because we were both kind of like, eh, yeah, yeah, you know, kind of. <laughs> but we came to the conclusion, which I think is almost a lot of dreams of, I'm more impressed than I am enthralled yeah. by yeah. the gameplay. And which I would also amend that. It's it's always kind of weird playing something for a stream. I think if I had played it at home by myself, and also, like, half of it is like a point-and-click adventure game, which is not the way that you're going to 
have fun on a stream either. Everybody knows there's no fun to be had in point and yeah. adventure games. <laughs> yeah, but I I think I would have had more fun if I was just going through it by myself to begin with. But sure. the but the larger feelings are that kind of astonishment at what they were able to create within this engine that they have because given it's to probably everyone. implied but in case you're not aware, yes, they built the entire campaign only using the tool set that's available for the public, everyone. which yes. is a really awesome idea. So I went back to my notes from when I visited Media Molecule uh, for the cover story there. And Kara uh, Ellison, or Kara Ellison, who actually wrote some of the campaign, she said, quote, a lot of the campaign is just showing off for us, <laughs> like mm-hmm. finding like cool, unique twists. So trying to tell a story while also trying to show off the variety of what you can do in that led them to a really interesting decision where the entire thing is framed as art's dream. And it's this musician who is struggling with self-doubt, hinted maybe some drug abuse, a little unclear, Uh, but struggling in his life. uh, And then he has a dream where he's dreaming about his old toys. And so you're controlling them Mm -hmm. as you're working your way towards his big recovery. Old toys, which are all futuristic robots. (laughs) Or like a weird fox, which by the way, going back to my notes, Kyle, because you asked, because the fox looks just like Big Boss. It was like the eye patch, and it's a fox, like fox hound. Uh, Yes, that was absolutely an inspiration. I forgot. They had a slide at the studio for like, where does Foxy come from? And it was Miles, like Tails from Sonic, plus Big Boss from (laughs) Metal Gear. Okay, that's a pretty sweet combo. Uh, But it's interesting because we're used to Little Big Planet or Tearaway, and this feels like a more mature media molecule mm-hmm. trying to tell an artistic story, a subtle story. Like you mentioned, I mean, 30 to 40% of the game is a point and click adventure, which yeah. is pretty wild. Yeah. And just, I also enjoy it just because uh, it is unbridled creativity from a company that that's basically all they do. But mm-hmm. it's, but they have so much more freedom with dreams as opposed to little big planet where they can just really do anything and i think you see that both in the storytelling and you know the cutscenes which are, which essentially you know they've talked a lot about how dreams can be used to just make movies if you just want to do non-interactive stuff and which they, it ends with like a cutscene that's really yes, awesome which is insane i mean yeah. they did an entire song and and it looks it has the production values of like a james bond intro you know like yeah. cutscene and i i just appreciate that they can put that I uh, I will always enjoy seeing that kind of creativity from mm-hmm. Media Molecule and getting to play through that kind of stuff. I think one of the biggest surprises for me was how musical it is. Mm-hmm. Like there are several musical esque <laughs> yeah numbers in there with like singing full, full songs. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty wild to see. Yeah, yeah, um, and and also that's the other half of that is like this is the kind of thing that no other developer would do. Like no yeah. no insane person would make something this weird. And and like you could never justify the expense and the time that you would have to put into something into making something because like, that. like we can't market that. And it's like, well, yes. no, you don't have to market this artsy fartsy arts dream. You just have to market kind of a game engine for everybody, yes. which is also almost equally challenging. But yeah. It's like that's the bulk of Sony mm-hmm. and PlayStation's lifting. And then it's like, yeah, whatever you wanted to do with that media molecule to show it off. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I'm sure they wish there was a cutesy mascot. Maybe Foxy and Francis <laughs> mm-hmm. will catch on more than we expect or. There is, there's a little robot buddy that looks like Astrobot, and his name is D Bug, and then he has an elephant buddy named Ellie D, which are very good names for robots. So they got that part down at least. Um, I went back to my notes too, and they talked about how 
the original idea is at the end of Art's dream, they're going to have Art wake up and it's going to be like the real art, like a live action art, just like a guy. Like, ooh, what a crazy dream. I assume they'd have something more poetic than that. Then they realize like, <laughs> oh, we can't because that like breaks a rule because that's not something yeah. you can do in dreams. Uh-huh. So we're not actually going to let it happen and stuff. But then they also talked about like how many times they rebooted that story. There's been so mm-hmm. many rewrites on what they're trying to do with that. And then as the tools developed for dreams, they had to go back and rework the campaign because they needed to use those tools to make the campaign so it was 100% legit. So every time there was a small tweak or a big tweak in the tool set that they were fussing around with, they had to remake the campaign. So at the studio, they said they <laughs> rebuilt sounds like that a nightmare. Thing. Oh, yeah. 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 So they rebuilt it over and over and over again. But you can tell, like, it's super cool mm-hmm. for the finished product. You yeah. can just go to our YouTube channel and scrub through it just to, like, get some sense of the variety that they packed mm-hmm. in there. It's pretty wild. Ignore the whoopee cushion parts that we... Yeah, they went on for at least an hour. Maybe yeah. it's actually <laughs> like an hour and a half. Then the whoopee cushion made up for the end. Um, but VR support's delayed. It's interesting. Also, online multiplayer, they say, is going to be coming later. So who knows when it's going to be actually The online multiplayer, I mean, the idea there was that you could be in the same space both, like, designing things, right, and building 3D objects. Right, or yeah. even having, like, multiplayer levels. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 All right. Stuff like that. But going through the tool set, they said they made thousands and thousands of small tweaks added new like starter kits including some things from the campaign to kind of give you an idea of Mm -hmm. some of the assets there even if you can't fully dissect those levels yet which is kind of a bummer but uh yeah it's still impressive it reminded me of seeing people who really know how to use those tools use it it's like it is probably the greatest creative tool i've ever seen in my life win in the right hands Mm -hmm. like the speed you can make this stuff is just wild well yeah and even in the wrong hands it gives people (laughs) an opportunity to create stuff that they never would have been able to create you know with any other tools and i think that's what i like most about it it's not just seeing the creativity from media molecule who could make something that impressive with other tools if they wanted Mm -hmm. to it's giving that to everyone and seeing what people are making just out of the joy of creativity, too. Mm-hmm. Like, the the other half of it is, yes, you could never create something so stupid as, you know, Pig Detective, which was which was one of the examples, because no one's going to learn how to use Unity in order to create that and spend the hundreds of hours that it would take something compared so goofy, to, yeah. yeah, compared to Dreams. But it's also just cutting out the entire economy of making games for this as well. Like, the people in Dreams are only making games because they love games and because they want to share like these crazy ideas and there's no microtransactions or something like I'm still someone who every couple of months I will go on like a mobile gaming binge and I will go to the store and I will download a bunch of games that look super awesome and then I will rage quit and huh. uninstall them one after another just because so many of them have been corrupted by free to play stuff and microtransactions and ways that they're distorting these experiences in order to try and make money, which, you know, I won't fault them for. But Media Molecule has created this walled garden where that's just not an issue. Mm -hmm. And anyone who's going into it is creating stuff just because they want to create stuff. And that's so much more fun and so much more of a positive experience to dive down that rabbit hole and to just play through things. I Like last night, I played for probably another four hours of just dream surfing through stuff. And it's a it's a very easy way to lose an entire night doing that. And it, yeah, I mean, we talked about it before, but it just it reminds me of the thrills of like surfing through freaky freeware shareware games mm-hmm. on the internet. It was like, what is this corner of the internet doing? But with no worry about viruses or anything, just being <laughs> able to rapid fire like next, 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 and just stumbling across this wild world of like 
who made this? Why would yeah. you ever mm. spend this much time <laughs> yeah. on this? Is it is it possible with dreams to export a game? And no. Okay. So here's the wrinkle. This yeah. is what I believe is the long game from Media Molecule and also Sony. There there are rumors that dreams will be coming to PC. Seems like that's pretty likely. Who knows when that'll mm-hmm. happen? But definitely the undercurrent, the unsaid thing that was being said while visiting that studio was like, hey, this is a game engine. We're very into the idea of publishing these things at some point. There was actually a VR studio. I don't know who it was that was using Dreams to... Valve. That's right. (laughs) To create their VR game. And so I think that is the long game of eventually being able to sell them as standalone experiences. Sony gets a cut, 30%, whatever the Unreal cut is these days, right? Mm -hmm. And just having that be the most accessible game engine on the market, especially on PC. Yeah. Like that is... Mm -hmm money in the bank for Sony and hopefully Media Molecule as well for making these tools. So in my mind, it's like, you think of like the Sony game engines that they're pushing in a big way. It's Decima, obviously, coming from Gorilla, and then quietly in a sneaky way, hey, Dreams could be a low-key juggernaut for them. For sure. Hopefully, you know, people even in the chat were like, oh, it's a bummer that PlayStation hasn't gotten behind Dreams. It's like, I think they've been trying. I think it's just a tough thing to market in early access Mm -hmm. and also a tough thing to market even now, like, what do you what Especially do you want to a do? Especially a tough thing to market on console. Yeah. Like, the RPG Maker series is something I think of when I think of, like, a game engine that's made to be accessible for people. Mm-hmm. And that's really only popular on, like, PC. So I think what you're saying, like, when it comes to PC that it's really going to take off, I think that's probably 100% on yeah. point. Yeah, I hope so. But, I mean, that said, there's no shortage of content in there now. I mean, yeah, yeah. you can dream surf all the time. And I'm, I'm excited for the new wave of, of folks. Mm-hmm. Um, did you notice any other big changes uh, with the 1.0 release? Uh, they they had a new category of basically video tutorials, which they didn't have before. Yeah. And so that just kind of, they seem more specific to things like, here's how to create a door that will link to dreams and and those kind of things. So there were, and there were more added tutorials in there that I hadn't done yet. It it will still show you, you know, checked off which ones you've completed and which ones I haven't. I'd say yeah. there was probably like 20% of new ones in there and they had created some different templates and things like that. that so did it, ma- it maintain your, you know, progress, I guess you could say? Yeah, like okay. you have to replay through the, intro which is i mean this is very specific to me because like i was in the alpha i was in the beta now the final release like i've played through the intro like four times yeah. which is like i don't know why they keep making me do you okay man i'll be all right <laughs> the home sorry. space was different that was exciting that is exciting uh well that's because you're in a different character's home space they will give you one to like create your own stuff oh and that there. looks more like the, the it, well it's remember. empty when you get there mm, yeah you gotta make it yourself Dreams, everybody. Support weird stuff from this industry. Yeah. <laughs> this is a perfect example. Like mm-hmm. it's amazing that Sony of all companies funded this to the extent that they did. And Media Molecule had this much time to, to work on something so yeah. weird. Uh to spark other people's weirdness. Yeah. That's right. Um quickly on the Sony news, did you see there's a somehow through financial disclosures, yada yada yada, uh Polygon had this story that it was revealed how much Sony actually paid for Insomniac. How much they oh, paid to buy in the studio? Yeah. Jeff, oh. what do you think that number is? I I saw that Damn it. story. Jack, what do you think that number is? Uh, gosh. Just say you saw it, then you don't have to answer. <laughs> I'm going to go with like $750 million. Oh, interesting. Well, 
You're in luck. Two hundred and twenty-nine million. Yeah, you you know, could buy Insomniac. Dang it! I was going to actually guess like two hundred fifty million, and I was like, <laughs> but that—that's like the budget of like a really, really big game now, or like right a, a Marvel movie. Yeah, that's so a question. it's probably more. I don't know. Knowing nothing yeah. about this world, uh, overpaid, underpaid, Kyle. What do you think? Important qualifier: zero context, <laughs> no idea how much the studio costs. It seems low to me. I mean, they like paid a billion dollars for Minecraft. Yeah. Just oh, but Minecraft. that was for like the right. It's not. I mean, with this, they get the rights to Sunset Overdrive, and I guess, God, did they fully own Ratchet and Clank before? I bet they did. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they must have. I mean, if that they had game. like the all for one and kind of side stuff. Wait, no, that was in South North Carolina. The point is, yeah, I want to know what this number would have been before Spider-Man, Spider-Man versus after Spider-Man. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. would have been a lot lower. Yeah, <laughs> and I want to know what Ted Price's new car looks like. Yeah, let us know, Ted. Patreon dot com slash minmax. Become a Patreon, and then you can send a private message. Oh boy, well let's just say this. Hang on, let's workshop a joke. Um, <laughs> let's just say when it, for Ted, this price was right. Mm-hmm. Or what about like 229 million will now officially be known as Ted's price? <laughs> I like that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's better. That's better. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, do you all know how this whole thing operates? I have no idea. Midmax, that is. Oh, uh, all right. oh. bubbly water. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, mainly sparkly water. water. Uh, this is Patreon. Patreon.com slash Midmax Two Ends. Uh, there's a bunch of different tiers there. You can check out at the hundred dollar tier. You can get your face or your pet or your wife or your husband, whoever you want, whatever you want, as long there as it's is. reasonable. Uh, on the wall of heroes behind us, there. Dogs. Uh, Five dollar supporters get this show uh, a day early and a bunch of other benefits, including the tabletop stream, which will be coming up on Thursday, That's Jeff, right. and a lot of other bonus stuff. Um, but we have some wonderful supporters here. Number one, Hyperdot. That game's yeah. out. Yeah, I went yeah. to the launch party uh, this last weekend. It was a, a lovely time. It's a very sweet group over there. Anyways, Hyperdot. They say, Minnesota, we brought you Prince, Zubas, and Minmax. If you can find room in your heart to love one more thing from your flyover state, make it Hyperdot, <laughs> a minimal action arcade game with one rule, dodge everything. Harold Goldberg from the Washington Post describes Hyperdot as, quote, easy to learn, but maddeningly cerebrum-busting to master, and adds, I survived 13.2 seconds, even after multiple tries, but I didn't want to stop indulging. Uh, That's Hyperdot's how you available. get a job at the Washington Post, using words like maddeningly. <laughs> maddeningly! Uh, Hyperdot's available now on... Yeah. Until later. It's available now on Xbox and Steam. Check it out. Uh, I still really like this game. Played more at the launch party cause just because they had like an old build of it there. It was like, mm-hmm. hey, just survive as long as you can. Still satisfying. Yeah. Uh, we actually had somebody here who played it. Uh, Grizzled Gaming says, Hey, Maxers, thanks again for the Hyperdot giveaway. I said it in the Discord, but it needs to be said to the general public, the four-player couch co-op set to random is crazy fun. My family has had hours of fun playing this way. It's the perfect family couch co-op game. I've legitimately had people 7 to 70 play it, and every one of them has had a blast. I know it sounds like I'm being a shill, but if you're looking for a great couch co-op game or competitive game, I highly recommend everyone go... To the dot, says Grizzled Gaming. <laughs> That's very sweet. Perfect. Yeah, still super fun because you can just set like all the parameters to random and then it's just like, okay, first to 10, first to 15, whatever you want to play there. Yeah, we had a good time on the goatee hunt playing yeah, against right. each other. You can check it out there. And uh, they could use more reviews on Steam. So if you do check out Hyperdot, which we do recommend, it's made in Minnesota and I do think it's a good game, uh, leave a review on Steam. That'd be great. Um, and 
if you don't want to buy it, you want to get around this whole system, we are still doing giveaways thanks to the fine Ooh. folks at Glitch who published Hyperdot here. So if you tweet out this episode of the MinMax Show, either audio or video, whichever one you want, and tweet out whatever you want, and then put hashtag Hyperdot in there, no space, uh, we'll choose our favorite and then send you a Steam code. We only have Steam codes left, but the good news is this game will run on absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested in that, tweet out the MinMax Show, put Hyperdot, hashtag Hyperdot in there, and uh, you're in the running for a code. Very cool. Also, hey, Riley Hill from Superhero Cinema Scoop. He says, Superhero Cinema Scoop is proud to sponsor MinMax. Superhero Cinema Scoop is a YouTube channel dedicated to bringing you all the latest news about upcoming superhero movies, shows, and video games. Stories from Marvel, DC, Image, Valiant, IDW, and many more are covered. Videos are uploaded at least once a week, and now there is a new audio-only version available on most major podcast streaming services. Oh. (laughs) Superhero Cinema Scoop is the perfect all-in-one place for comic book movie fans. And remember... That's cinema spelled with an S. Thank you so much for your support, Riley Hill and Superhero Cinema Scoop. As Jeff mm. likes to point out, the most interesting point about this supporter is that stuff is free. Their stuff is free. So just go and leave a nice comment yeah. on Superhero Cinema Scoop on YouTube. I know Riley Hill really appreciate it. He has a video up uh, that includes that rumor. Do you hear about this, Kyle? Yes. That Sam Raimi is in talks to direct Doctor Strange 2. I'm all about it. That's a weird one. The yeah. idea is of it? like. I guess not so weird. I don't. I don't feel like that's weird. Like he he does weird horror movies. It seems well, like maybe. But just the idea of him being brought going. into the MCU when he was so important to you know relatively yeah. early Marvel filmmaking with the Spider Man series. I mean, obviously, I think it's a little weird because he uh, is an auteur. Oh. I guess you could argue, and I don't. And I, like Marvel movies word. are are very homogenized and like look very similar. And I think if you're he saying made they're a, just uh, just amusement park rides, I, I like Marvel <laughs> movies, but I mean they yeah. all look very similar and feel sure. very similar. And I think. If you if it if it's gonna be a Sam Raimi ass Sam Raimi movie, mm-hmm. I don't think it will. Like I want that. I want a Sam Raimi Doctor Strange movie, and I feel like that doesn't mesh with Marvel's larger goal. Like I think it's the reason that we didn't get um, the uh, Edgar Wright Ant Man, right. which I would have loved to see. I would have mm-hmm. loved to see the Edgar Wright Ant Man. But this you know? feels more like an Iron Man three Shane Black situation, who's also a pretty yeah. specific type of director <laughs> being brought on. For the third Iron Man movie, what can you do? But like, yeah. you can't watch that movie and not say, "Hey, this is a Shane Black movie." Yeah, I, it takes place during Christmas for Christmas. I, yeah, right. I, I really, I, I, so I mean, I would love to see Sam Raimi make that movie, and I hope it feels different than other Marvel movies. It would be my my grand hope for that. I Got would it. imagine that they're probably giving him more creative reign, be, just because it's the first movie post Endgame. You know, yeah, right. Be, well, they might, yeah, be, they might like, be trying to hit something. Far different Far from now. Home is still like in that. They're still they still consider it part of the like that first uh, right like that's in the end game sort of yes it's not it's at the end of that phase yeah. yet but no I mean they're going to be having uh, the Eternals this year and stuff oh, so there's stuff right. coming before this but it is coming up quick so it does feel like they're burying it around movie. I mean I think they're going to be pushing it hard didn't you Eternals? see that veiny picture of Kumail <laughs> Nanjiani they they couldn't bury that if they tried. <laughs> uh. Anyways, also, <laughs> welcome to our new sponsor, I Am 8-Bit, supporting us in a big yeah. way. Thank you so much, I Am 8-Bit. They're a creative production company and art gallery out there in California. They've been a huge help with Extra Life throughout yeah. the years, donating They're a great. ton of amazing things to raise money for charity. Uh, and again, you can go to IAM8Bit.com, check out their store, and buy things like, you know, they have the Cuphead soundtrack on vinyl, physical versions of Grim Fandango inside. They have that inside collector's edition thing, Kyle, which is crazy. I know. I Tons of cool vinyls, like a lot of Sony vinyls, like Uncharted soundtrack, Last Guardian soundtrack, stuff like that. And if you use the promo code MINMAX, one more time, that's promo code 
Min max. There two we ends. go. You got it. You get 10% off your entire order for everyone, one use per customer, but check it out. Also, Kentucky Route Zero, the physical edition on PlayStation 4 and Switch, and also the vinyl version of the soundtrack mm. from Cardboard Computer and Annapurna, of course. You can check that out at IM8 Bit Store. Very exciting. And they insist that for more information on the Kentucky Route Zero physical version and soundtrack, please call 1 858 943 65 Seven, nine. That's 1-858-943-6579. Why are you saying that in such a sinister way? <laughs> I'm just saying mm, call the phone on. number, he everybody. Knows, he knows more than he's letting on. Thank oh. you so much, I am 8-Bit. And we should all be very thankful because I am 8-Bit has brought back question of the week to this format, to the podcast. So if you are a Patreon supporter, you can, supporter, you can leave a comment or question for us to cover. Uh, on the back half of the Midmax show, and then we're going to choose our absolute favorite, and then I'm Eight Bit. We'll ship something out. Ship Ooh. something out real nice. Kyle, do you want to grab ship something real nice? Huh? You want to go grab that vinyl that's uh, facing you? Ooh, right it does there? feel good. Uh, this week from <laughs> I Am Eight Bit, we are going to be shipping out the vinyl soundtrack to Sword and Sorcery. Ooh. Do you remember how good the soundtrack is? It's, it yeah. slaps. It is amazing. It's Jim Godfrey I've listened to the soundtrack more than I've actually played the game. Yeah. And so again, we'll choose our absolute favorite uh, email submission and then ship this out to them. Uh, thanks to I'm 8-Bit. Very oh, sweet. Right? Uh, I'm excited to do this because it feels like late night talk show host, you know, when they bring out like the the new album or something or they have a picture, you know, <laughs> right. like Jay Leno would always have like articles on a cardboard that he would hold up for the camera. So, yeah, headlines, our favorite section. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> Anyways, let's get to the community stuff, huh? Which, by the way, Flaming Queso, friend of the show and the, mm-hmm. the Discord and stuff over there, which you get access to if you support us on Patreon, he recommended, like, hey, just call this section of the podcast the Minbox. Oh, that's so mm. good. Oh, yeah. Hang on. Inbox. It took yeah. a minute. I thought it was like a su- like suggestion card box or something. I was trying mm. to find the pun. Uh, yes. That's... Do you all like that? Yeah. 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 Box yeah. Is it's good. very that's good. good. Yeah. Okay. Opening the Minbox. Here we go. Henry Chandler says, <laughs> Dear Ben and all the great Minmaxers. That's us. To the Minmaxers out there. <laughs> Uh, what's a super niche or unique feature you want from either the PlayStation 5 or the Xbox Series X? We've talked about enough talked enough about this tech specs and backwards compatibility what's a super specific feature that would make you prefer one over the other Ooh. niche feature well jack we were talking about before we started because you're right. playing final fantasy 12 right, right? Ooh, how's yeah. that zodiac age um <laughs> on <laughs> on the playstation 4 uh, you can double the speed because not because of anything inherent to the PlayStation 4 itself. There's a new but, feature for that HD. Yeah, for yeah. the game. For all um, the Final Fantasy remasters, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think so, yeah. On the Switch, though, you can go up to times four speed. What? It's different? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it got Kyle and I thinking. It would actually that would be a handy feature in a lot of games. <laughs> yeah, just like JRPGs, like even modern ones, like on the next gen consoles. So just... you want like the format that a lot of people are listening to this podcast in, which is at 1. two times speed or one point seven five. You want so. that, but for all games as an option? Well, as it wouldn't option. work with all games. Yeah. But like if it's like a lot but of But baked into the hardware. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, why, why kind not? Of a weird thing. Niche. God. <laughs> Remember when people 
like directors threatened to riot when Netflix was toying around <laughs> with the idea of speeding things up, game developers yeah. would lose their mind, right? I don't think game developers care as much. I think game developers are very much play the game that you want to play, how you want to play it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they get joy out of watching people play their game in new and unique ways. Where, yeah. where Christopher Nolan would rip his hair out if he saw you watching Inception <laughs> on your cell phone on a train. Plus, like cheats that speed things up have always been a part of games. Yeah. For I mean, if not always, then from very early on. So it's just like making it more accessible from the get-go and building it into the hardware so that every game has that option. Yeah. I mean, it's a weird one, but Yeah, I wonder if it's idea. also a tech issue and maybe everything will be so great in the next gen that it won't be an issue, but you know, it's like, okay, you're playing God of War for example, on PS4, can you run that at two times speed, or would your PS4 just catch on fire? <laughs> Explode. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I like I, the idea. I like you know, like there being an arms race between the consoles too. Of like Which we have, faster. we have times six speed. Oh yeah, times seven. <laughs> now it just gets like, well, yeah, that's unplayable on our platform. Yeah. You don't even notice you played a game on our platform. <laughs> or and like maybe hand in hand with that goes maybe you can play some games on a slower speed. Half yeah. speed, Call of Duty. You know, but only me. <laughs> Everyone else has played right. multiplayer. Yeah. Very smart. But very like, smart. but it, it, that would play into like mm-hmm. an accessibility type thing. Like yeah. slowing like down gameplay could make I like it, it more e- accessible. I was going to say optical out, but this is up there too. <laughs> also, um, simplifying um, capture mechanics. You know what I mean? Like, I love that you can capture footage mm-hmm. and everything. Mm-hmm. But like, f- far and away, the Switch I feel like is the best. In terms of capturing screenshots quickly and like saving gameplay footage quickly, but I, I, what I don't like about the Switch is that I can't upload it privately. Whereas with PlayStation right. for like can. clips and stuff, I can un- make it unlisted on YouTube. You can Ye- do that on Switch. So I can the find way, a way, the to way do I it. usually do it is like screenshots you can like tweet out and stuff like that. But the way I have it set up on my Switch is I just send everything to Facebook and it like it posts to Facebook as so only I see it. Oh, so in the Facebook settings, you can choose only I yeah. see it. But I think your point is still very valid, though, is that it is Thank like you. that's like a weird, complicated way I figured out to do it. You know what I mean? To send it to Facebook privately. I just want an option there to upload to my Google Drive. And I feel like we yeah. can't be that far away from Yeah, that, right? I mean, like, because yeah. I think Microsoft won't do that because they want you to use their proprietary. <laughs> yeah, which is like it for whatever reason that takes forever. Ever. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why huh. it takes so long. Even with screenshots can yeah. take a long time. Yeah, yeah like weird. That'd be great if, like, just pressing the button on Switch, for example, just sent it to your Google Drive and you could pull it up on your phone. Very yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, just, just streamline that process. Just yeah, make it much easier. Yeah. yeah. Also, how about and it? I don't think it exists in a form that would make sense. But a good microphone, like either <laughs> built into the controller or some kind of headset, just so that everyone playing has a nice microphone. Mm. Default solid mic. Yeah. I mean, PlayStation yeah. has like the PlayStation branded headsets and stuff, yeah. but you want yeah. which is it's fine. Yeah. yeah, and and it's it's not it's not what comes with the console. You oh, you get, don't like, want that the gross tampon you shove in your ear. So whatever. everyone sounds like they're speaking over like the McDonald's intercom. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> what about what if it's like a separate piece that like. It was like a microphone that you like put on top of your TV. Like maybe you could have like a, I don't know, like a camera I, in I it or that, two I or something. I think that's just a webcam. Moving Kyle. on! Tanner Hoisington! Kyle, I was with you, Tanner Hoisington. It's pronounced Hoisington. Tanner says, no, you didn't say that. It's <laughs> a funny last name. Uh, okay. Anyways, Mr. Hoisington, there always seemed to be some hesitation by games personalities to long for the old practices of gaming at the risk of seeming, quote, out of touch. Or maybe in other cases, they're too willing to accept the status quo. Screw that. Are there any aspects of modern games that you look at and feel like, this used to be done better, be it industry practices or gameplay mechanics from the past? 
I feel like general level design is kind of a dying art. General level design. Yeah, just like the, the layout of a level. So many games rely on randomization of levels that like I don't it's rare now these days that I play a game that I'm like, I really like the layout of this like setting. You Did know I mean? Jedi Fallen Order do it for you? Jedi Fallen Order was pretty good, but it was like it got it, it was like dense and like the map was not great. You know, like sure. stuff like control like didn't work as well as like Oh you really? Know, yeah. I mean I there were parts yeah. of control that worked really well, but like overall, yeah. You mean I just—it's just been a while since I've seen I've I've played through it. Like because everyone's like you know moving towards open world and like larger spaces. It's sure. like I like a really well designed sort of compressed God of War. Yeah, God of War actually. Yeah, that's like a, a recent example. And I, I think that's also a function of games just trying to look more realistic too. Whereas yeah. like a facility level in Doom was still just all about how, you know, these corridors intersect with each other. Mm-hmm. If you have a facility level in a modern game, it has to look like a facility. And, <laughs> and they right. spend all the time on like, well, here are these tanks and this computer controls the tanks and all, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. You're not worrying as much about like, well, this leads to a square room and the yeah. hallways come in this and way. Stuff like and, yeah, right, like, you, want, like right. you listen to like uh, Portal 2 commentary. And so much of it is like we want to make sure the player sees this when they're in this position, and like we'll give them a hint about how to get through here. Well, that's an awesome like, example of not needing it to be a real space. Well, for yeah. parts of it at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it, it functioned better because they weren't trying to fill it with extra detail necessarily. Yeah. You know. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Also, um, how we used to sell video games used to be better. <laughs> Oh, just as a generic blanket and I I talked in the Chrono Trigger one but uh, the kind of quest design and how you kind of convey that information or don't over convey it an emphasis on subtle exploration without yeah. complete freedom yeah. yeah have people figure stuff out because most gamers are smart and they can do that if you're not constantly holding their hand yeah yeah kind of kind of on top of what both of you were talking about I miss when you had to like and I know why they don't do it because it is horribly inconvenient, but there was something really satisfying about like encountering a world where, Hey, pull out a piece of paper and take your own notes Mm. and like figuring out how that world is connected with itself for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, it's inconvenient, but it's also very satisfying. People like that Etrian Odyssey nonsense, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, where you make, you draw your own map. map, Yeah. 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 Well, even in our Chrono Trigger discussions, which, you know, check out the deepest dive for the last level of Chrono Trigger. You were talking about how like not necessarily having like uh, waypoints and like a list of Mm -hmm. objectives, like Mm -hmm. made you engage with the game more, which is kind of like, you know, taking notes and things like that. Like it lets you engage with the game more, you know, so there's a middle ground there because you don't want to take away too much or it gets frustrating. Mason Cowell says, hello, everybody. What is your fondest gaming marathon memory? Mine is either putting 30 hours into Pokemon Shield on release weekend or a similar amount of time in two days following the Skyrim Midnight release. I love that that one is so recent. 30 hours. Man, I mean, not to keep bringing up Chrono Trigger, but I mean, I, I played through that final chunk in one day. It was like yeah. over 10 hours or so mm. of just Chrono Trigger in one day. That was pretty sweet. Yeah. Went through a lot of good podcasts, too, in that time. <laughs> it was really wonderful. The one I always think was uh, Halo 2 was like the probably the last time I just like beat a game basically in one sitting. Went yeah. and picked it up at midnight, like made sure that like saved up you know because in college the classes would be like you're allowed like three absences or whatever in these classes like i made sure to save up that semester to make sure i could take the next day off you know and even got ahead of of like schoolwork and stuff like that and just play the whole thing in one sitting and i was just i remember like being having my mind blown that like you 
don't play as Master Chief for a huge portion of that game. You yeah. Know, like, total surprise. And I remember, like, super late at night being like, what? I'm not Master Chief anymore? This is insane, you know? <laughs> I'm losing my mind! <laughs> I'm an elite! <laughs> Is yeah. Keith Devitt the voice of the Arbiter guy? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. That's so weird. Is that Keith? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think of basically every time that my brother and I rented a console, which I mentioned earlier, like yeah. that's how we played the Nintendo and part of the Super Nintendo generation, which is we could only rent games. And so then you have like a weekend and that's all you're doing that weekend. Yeah, <laughs> the best. For, for me, it was um, specifically Mass Effect 2. I remember mm. being just so excited for that that I like kind of like what you did Kyle like just cleared my schedule <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, this is what I'm going to be doing and like two days later I just emerged from my room in a daze <laughs> and it was it was a really you're good like, time you're like I think I died at the beginning I don't even remember <laughs> Stud Muffin writes in and says what is the most disappointing instance of a playable trade show demo, demo never seeing the light of day Mine was going to E3 in 2011, the year the Wii U was unveiled. Many of the tech demos were compiled into Game & Wario, but there's an interactive Zelda experience where you could watch a cinematic and move the camera or adjust the settings like the lighting and the game engine. It looks so much better than Twilight Princess HD did years later. I never bought that remake out of spite. <laughs> Do you remember that what demo? Were you there for that one? Kyle? No, I was not. That was before my okay. time, but I watched it closely from a distance and yeah. have since like looked up full playthroughs of it this one there's like a spider and stuff yeah it was all just to show up the engine yeah and uh it's interesting that he stud muffin takes their anger out on the twilight princess re-release because it's like they're totally separate things like (laughs) you gotta direct the raid somewhere (laughs) i totally get it that's a a great example though yeah they never did anything with that bird demo remember that same e3 was like the way you follow the birds the garden but the one i think of immediately was e3 last year where the elden ring right elden (laughs) ring Yes, the one that'll never come out yep. before I get Papa. <laughs> From no, software. it was before we got to play Final Fantasy VII, they recreated like um, a subway and they had like a waiting station like, oh, wait for the train in Midgar to board your next Demo Express or whatever. And they sat everybody down and like, it was a cool like little booth layout. And then they had a screen where it's like Shinra propaganda about Shinra, the Greatest company mm. in the world. Check out Shinra, everybody. Oh, they got Trey Parker. <laughs> I don't know how they did it. Amazing. He's voicing Kate Sith. <laughs> uh, no, and then it like interrupts, and then it's the very classic thing. Where it's like, hey, is this thing on? Did we manage to break through? This is Jesse from Avalanche, and they have Jesse from Final <laughs> Fantasy VII like hacking into it, and then she's like delivering this mission breakdown of part Avalanche stuff, but then also like how to play the demo. Oh, interesting. Like, oh. You got to press triangle. But like in that, she was also like being flirty towards Cloud and kind of hinting towards how their relationship's going to be quite a bit different in the remake and stuff. And in the background, they had like, I'm trying to remember. It was, I can't remember which track it was. I think it was um from, oh, the Coral Reactor. And it was like this subtle remix of this awesome track from Final Fantasy VII. It was like this awesome presentation. It's nowhere. Like it's it was never the released. They made it clear that you could not film it. I'm like, God, I regret not just recording the audio on my phone because yeah. hopefully that awesome remix track is going to be in the game somewhere because if it's just made for this E3 demo, I hope at some point Square releases that because yeah. it's a really fun little piece of lore. With them. I, I I don't really have like a great answer, but like one weird thing when we went to the Jedi Fallen Order cover trip, one thing they had, like one of the ways that the thing that we ended up playing the most was just this like arena that they set up for like Leo and oh, Ryan yeah. and I where it was just like 
you just fought wave after wave. It was eighty three too. Yeah, okay, because mm-hmm. we they had talked about that because they were still deliberating. They were like, we think we want to give this to people before they play like the larger demo to just get let them get a sense of how the combat works and stuff like that. But like. And it was it was fun. It was very simple. Like, you know, I've seen that like God of War usually includes a mode like this where it's like, hey, you know, outside of the campaign, just see how long you can last against yeah. all these waves and stuff and like that. And then it's nowhere in Fallen as Order. As far as I know, I didn't it's not like an unlockable thing or anything. Hmm. And it was very simple. Like what they like even like the assets for the walls and stuff were not completed. It was just like a cliff face that you would like fall off of into oblivion. Right, but like right. but as just an opportunity to like try out different combat and like see how many waves we could get, like Leo and I had fun like trying to see how far we could get and stuff like that. Like it yeah. would have been fun to see that in the final game just as a bonus thing after you beat it or something yeah for sure caleb uh weisberger says ben and cohorts i bumped up to the five dollar tier to play along with chrono trigger and i've been slowly Ew. going back through the old previous min facts which is our weekly q a 20 dollars supporters can jump in and ask us questions and call in we'll have them on the show anyways a couple weeks ago you made the statement that quote if you are listening to the audio version of this on the patreon player you are doing it wrong and you were right. I was doing it wrong. Thank you for explaining what an RSS feed is. <laughs> yes, please put that custom RSS feed link into your podcast player and listen to the bonus stuff that way. It's much better. If you're not doing that, you're doing it mm. wrong. Um, but Caleb says, what times can you remember when, when you were completely ignorant in the face of new technology or you realized that you were doing something totally ass backwards? I prefer bass backwards, by the way. But <laughs> uh, what do you guys think of? Um, definitely the first time I tried playing through Dark Souls, like I just mm. did not get what they were trying to do with the game. You're trying to have fun with the game. Well, I was trying to go <laughs> down the route with the skeletons right at the beginning, and I just walked away from the game thinking this is really dumb. And it wasn't really until the next game came out that I realized, oh. I understand what you I need to reframe everything. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the tech thing is interesting. Thinking about like technology in general, like outside of gameplay, even. Yeah, I don't know. Well, Does that come to mind? Uh, in Chrono Trigger, remember we learned how <laughs> well, it to, you could swap out parties in much easier ways than you and I were doing. After you guys <laughs> beat, beat the, the game, game you don't have to go to the end of time every time. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got nothing. Sorry. Great. Fabled Ursa says, "Hey, if your high school mascots were in an all-out death match." Oh, Which would emerge victorious? I had an eagle, okay. like a man-sized eagle. <laughs> oh, wait, we're taking size into account? I had a wildcat, the NLS wildcats, and it was like a mountain-sized wildcat. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was, uh, for freshman, sophomore, I was a tiger. Just, you, just a tiger, just a tiger-sized tiger. You were the tiger? No, I was not the tiger. <laughs> oh, okay. But And then the uh, for junior, senior, I went to a different high school where we were the knights. So, so we you were, to choose. We were hey, also knights. Ooh, okay, so go with tiger. So. I'll go tiger, yeah. Okay. So we have eagle versus wildcat versus knight oh, that's versus a, tiger. That's a Taika Waititi movie. I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Manowar's book, I think. Uh, eagle versus shark was the joke. Oh, that's good. What about, uh, how how long is that night lasting? Eagle, I'm not worried about at all. Really? But like a, a, man, large eagle. a man-sized eagle? What are you, you getting this man-sized thing from? Just because <laughs> it was a mascot? <laughs> I mean, it, was a, it was a man, like, it didn't specify if it was the actual... Thing. It's the mascot. So you have to choose. Are you choosing an actual eagle or a man in an <laughs> eagle costume? Yeah. Exactly. What's your weapon? Exactly. No, I'm saying you need to choose, Oh, a Jack. man in an eagle costume. Okay, okay. so the knight stabs him immediately, yeah. and then you're out With of it, With the Jack. lance, yeah. Now, tiger versus knight. <laughs> Not, yeah. Oh. Tiger-sized tar- tiger. 
I think the real question is, what is a wildcat, and is it also a tiger? A wildcat is like, like a cougar. It's smaller than a tiger. Yeah, it's smaller right? than a tiger. It's not an animal, though, is it? A yeah, wildcat? Yeah. What do you think yeah. it is? It's got kind of like, like a, sharper, like it's... It's, it's kind of like a bobcat. You think of a bobcat. But a wildcat is like a bobcat. Yeah. I think a wildcat's just a term for a bunch of wild cats. <laughs> Are you is thinking it it's not? like a mob no. of cats? It is. It is a species complex comprising two small wild cats. Okay, well, click the Wikipedia link and let's see if there's an image. <laughs> this is the first time I've ever clicked on this Wikipedia article. It just says Hansen's right. Oh, well, you know, actually, I'm the winner, honestly, unless unless it comes down to knight versus tiger at oh, this wild point. Wild is apparently very small. It's <laughs> yeah, two it's small wild cats. <laughs> I never Are you knew just this. arguing that it's a it's just a wild cat and you think that's better for you than a bobcat? Well, I thought it was like encompassing <laughs> like lions and tigers and a bunch no. of just cool big things. No. <laughs> I've been All living right. a lie. My mascot sucks. Yeah, yeah you, you can step on this. Size. Okay, so now it's, it's a it's a knight. The knight wins. <laughs> I guess he's a tiger. A tiger? Yeah, he's no in way. full armor. A tiger yeah, would annihilate a tiger? Him. Yeah. A tiger would take out a dude You think in full a armor. knight can't beat a tiger? <laughs> yes! No. That's exactly what I think. Have you seen no, how big man, a tiger is? A, a, tiger's, a tiger's not even going to attack a knight. All right, I, this I, will, doubt, I doubt Let's pull up uh, what's a, a total, accu total accurate battle simulator. You can probably get <laughs> knights and tigers going in there, right? But hang on. Okay, looking at average knight, I think just the force of a tiger tackling... A knight. You think you think Your like a, you, helmet, you assume that a tiger is going to tackle a knight to begin with. They're in a battle royale. They're fighting. Yeah, <laughs> a tiger's just going to try and run away. What? Have you? It's not like a prey predator situation here. Since when do tigers run away from? You're things? changing the rules. Tigers yeah. run away from things no. all the time. <laughs> you have they catnip just have in a, your box. They have a. They have a bad rap when it comes to PR. They need better PR. All right, what it's if, just a big cat. Let's throw you in knight armor, okay? Let's put you in a okay, Let's put you inside of a tiger, Kyle. <laughs> take, take a trip to the Minnesota Zoo. Closed arena. Tiger gets hungry after a certain point. Yeah, absolutely. And he knows there's a man in there. You can smell your fear. Yeah. Dude, I think he tackles a, you. Your stupid helmet falls freaking, off and then it's game over. A yeah. freaking zookeeper takes care of a tiger. What is this problem? Like you just shoot You're him with spilling. a little stun gun. Why are you? A veterinarian can take down so a tiger. A knight does not have a stun gun, though. <laughs> yeah, he's got a lance that's like six feet long. You're so wrong. <laughs> what? You just have no fear of tigers? What is this? No. We got a surprise for you. Come on in, tiger. <laughs> All right, oh, uh, Matt. Gittins. What a <laughs> weird conversation we just have. Are we ready to move on from this? Mm -hmm. I'm just Jeff, I'm just insisting that tigers are not violent creatures. That's right. <laughs> Greetings, fine Gosh. gentlemen. I have a question for you. Uh, with all the time travel antics involved with Chrono Trigger and the fact that this is my first playthrough, I thought of this question. If you could go back in time and let past you play one game, past or present, what game would you pick to improve your life now? I like improve the idea my improve. life? Yeah, I mean, that's a loose term. <laughs> it's almost as if that wasn't part of the question when we all heard oh, okay, it earlier. Buddy. Yeah. <laughs> what would you want to send to yourself? Improve my life. I mean, improve. Playing good games improves your life. I mean, I would want to show them, like, the evolution of something. You know what I mean? Like, look at, this is what games will look like in the future. But I don't know if it would improve my life necessarily, you know? Yeah, you're right. I would go. I, don't know. <laughs> I would go back in time to my six year old self and give him Red Dead Redemption Two and say, oh. "You have to play this, so right. that I will have played it in the future and right, actually right. beaten it, and yep. it will take that long." Yes, exactly. So, Please, before your wedding day, have finished Red Dead Redemption <laughs> Two. It's all I ask. I mean, I figured you'd just say Breath of the Wild or something, Kyle. Yeah, just say <laughs> yeah, Breath of the cool. Wild. 
Okay, great. That'd be mind blowing. But it would it improve my life? <laughs> also, oh I, brain age. I would. I would. There you go. Brain there age. There you go. Right. I would choose dreams too. I think mm, that would be that one would be, that would blow ooh, my oh, mind. Oh, that would be so much fun mm-hmm. as a kid to have yeah. dreams. Ooh, what about though, if we're leaning into the improvement angle? What about Rocksmith? Oh, I that'd be cool. Teach you to play guitar. We'd all be superstars. That's right. Xavier Perez says, hello, crew. With some downtime in between major game releases, I picked up Xenoblade Chronicles 2 for my Switch a couple weeks ago. It's an okay game. But with nothing else that I really want to play, I find myself doing a completionist run. Oh, my God. Oh, dear. And I have over 120 hours in it already. (laughs) My question is this. What game have you put an excessive amount of time, hours into, that you haven't really loved? Not counting the ones you had to review. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, it closes the door in a big, bad way. Hmm. I think uh, Tiny Tower on mobile, if we oh. count mobile games, of course, that's, yeah. that's the, like, I probably put hundreds of hours into something that I was thinking, like, why am I still doing this? Right. There's no point to this. You know? Yeah. I guess, yeah, mobile does get messy with this stuff. Even, like, Jurassic Park Builder on mobile uh, is yeah, the most right. I think I ever played one of those free-to-play games, and it's not good they in any you. way. Yep. Yeah, but I remember stopping my bike on bike rides to, like, check the eggs and all that nonsense. <laughs> it's no good. I'm Otherwise, trying to, I'm trying to think. Like, there must have been a mediocre JRPG I played at some point. Right. It was just way too much time investment. Yeah. Otagi Shadow King? <laughs> I, <don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot, of, a lot of games when you're a kid, too, right? Oh. Where it's just like, well, this is all I have, so I'm just going to play yep. this over and over. Eternal yeah. Eyes for the PlayStation 1. What is that? It is a ta- turn-based tactical JRPG uh, where you play as someone who can imbue wooden puppets with magic and turn them into monsters, okay. and they become like your army. So what is the, the pun? How does that play into it? I don't think that there was any. There's no like inner turmoil, internalize. No, eternalize. Oh, interesting. Eyes. Mm. Was that just? It, I think it was just called that. Googling right. it, yeah, it seems like it's a bad game. It's not oh, great. That box art is rough. Yeah, I remember. It's, it's I really recognize that great. box art. <laughs> oh man! Yeah. All right, I got to put that on the screen. That's I think so I played bad. through it twice, and that oh, is wow. far too much time to have put into that game yeah. ever. Wow. Eternal Eyes. I was thinking of like recent stuff. Or it's like a decent amount of time, but I didn't really love it. I think like Monster Hunter World is up there for me. Oh, really? And that's we did like a game club, so maybe it doesn't really count. But I think I was really trying to muster up enthusiasm. But in terms of games that I spent, you know, what like forty hours with, and it's like, ah, I, 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 I have had a couple of those where I keep playing, keep playing. I'm like, I, I still don't get it. I still don't get it. You know? Oh, Death Stranding? No, Death Stranding. I, I hit. I crossed the line where I really enjoyed it. But like. Uh, I've gotten a lot better at just like backing away from those games where it's mm-hmm. just like I'm not gonna like this. But there was one. What's the mobile game where um, uh, it's like from Pokemon the people that made Clash Royale uh, battle? You know, like everyone had thought Clash game, of Clans. Cla- no, is it Clash Royale? Is that what it is? Yeah, it is Clash. Yeah, Royale. that was one that I really was like put a lot of hours into, and then like crossed a line one day where I was like, I'm not enjoying this. I don't mm-hmm. think I get it. I'm just gonna right. delete this. You mm-hmm. know. Right. Where everyone around me was like just losing their mind over <laughs> oh, yeah. the future of RTSs, you know? Yeah, but they also kind of hated it too. That is <laughs> like, true. Like, yeah, the office true. had a lot of trash talk about that game as they were playing yeah, it constantly. Everywhere. Right. Yeah. The mark of a good game. Yeah. Robbie Flanagan. <laughs> Cookie Clicker. Yeah. Oh, Robbie, Robbie Flanagan. What's that? I know Robbie. Do you really? Yeah. Good good is, person. Is he cool? Yeah, he seems nice. Seriously, right. is it cool? Oh, the shrug. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, we like Robbie. I don't know about Jack. Anyways, Robbie Flanagan says, hello, CLC Music Factory. Very good. 
Uh, on a scale of one to six, of course, one being not at all likely and six being an absolute lock, what do you think of the following? Let's see. Will the subsequent episodes of Final Fantasy VII Remake release every year starting in 2021? Zero. Two. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Will EA slash Bioware try and boost goodwill by finally announcing Mass Effect HD Collection in 2020? Four. One. Four. Well, that's a six. We already announced that that was oh, a right. 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 yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. oh, That's okay. a fact. Will there be a major <laughs> studio release on Stadia anytime in 2020 or 2021? One. Major studio release. One. One. Like an exclusive one to yeah. Stadia? Major. I think that's still like mm-hmm. two or three years away from... Yeah, yeah. I mean, the term major is kind of squishy, but like, not this year, certainly. (laughs) Major squishy! (laughs) Um, And finally, if there is a great reception to Resident Evil 3 make... Oh, that's very fun. I haven't heard people call it that yet. And (laughs) Capcom is so inclined, will we see a Resident Evil 4 remake in the next three to five years? Mm. No, I'd say... I I would say five. Four. I'd say... Two, three. <laughs> okay. I, I think I think they would maybe go back to Code Veronica before they would go to four. Maybe? But you think but it the, could still happen in three to five years? I mean, that's pe- true. That's people true. love four so much. Think about the money they make from it. four versus yeah. Code Veronica. Right. Like, the thing is, like they're still making money from four, though. Like, yeah, but still, there you could make Buco Dolores. It is. It's four. <laughs> like I played it as recently as a year ago. Like that game holds up so well that it's, I struggle to even imagine what a remake would look like, other than just visual improvements. So, yeah. Like, yes. I mean, people would, people would still throw their money at. That. Oh yeah. No, I would. But it's just it's still a hot five. I agree. Hot it six. It's not going to be like a huge leap. Yeah. But at like, the same it, it time, won't be as substantial as the two or three. A remake, better looking yeah. version of four. I'll pay sixty bucks for it again. I think so many yeah. people in the world would absolutely do Look, that. I'd right? pay up to seventy five. Hey, maybe hey, even <laughs> maybe even updating some of those quick time events so they aren't quite as quick timey. Uh, been I, a long time, comrade. <laughs> oh God, again, again, again. Uh, Thomas uh, Derenek says, "Hi, Min Max crew. I'll start by saying I can't wait to see the new logo and merch. Do you have any estimate estimations on the release of that? Good question. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, probably early March." Playing a little bit safe, but uh, I've seen some of the merch March trickle Max. in. What's that? March Max. Oh, I thought you. Hang on. You said some pun, and I thought of a better pun that I thought you said, which was <laughs> merch madness, which <laughs> is a very good idea. <laughs> hang on, let me write this down. <laughs> merch madness. Um, so probably something around that. Anyways, very exciting shirts on the horizon, and it'll be nice to have a good visual overhaul from Min Max and stuff. So it's it's coming in hot, but we're getting it done. Uh, it's an interesting process. Interesting. Seems like you're enjoying it. I am. I am. It, but I get stressed out like, oh, is the graphic designer stressed out? Am I stressed out? You know, I want to make sure it's cool. Yeah. You just want to make sure that it's cool. Everyone's cool. Anyways, Thomas <laughs> like says, Robbie. F- for my actual question, <laughs> though, I was thinking about a couple episodes back when y'all mentioned that Rogue is probably the most talked about, talked about and least played game, which got me thinking, what would be a better name for that genre other than roguelike? Frustrating. <laughs> He suggests the fail loop genre, the repeat oh, genre, the one more run genre. I think I like something repeat, with, honestly. I like the run. You could just yeah. call it the the run genre, right? But then it's like auto runners yeah. and okay, yeah, you know, um, Crash Bandicoots of the world. The one run, <laughs> one run genre, one run, like one more like one more <laughs> run, but you're like. Well, that's what, yeah, because you have to do everything in one run. Yeah, but one run is actually kind of like one run. But that feels is too it a one limiting. Runner? I don't think so. I don't think the so. The reset, just call it, just stick with roguelike. Roguelike it is, yeah. but good idea, Thomas. Thank you. Uh, 
Juan Rolon Rolin Rojum Juan. How would you pronounce that? Are you having a stroke? <laughs> How would you pronounce it? Juan Rolon Rolon Junior. And then it has to be said as Sean Connery. <laughs> Julia. Saying, hey, crew, Jeff brought up an interesting point during the Game of the Year talks regarding how you'd anticipate others championing a game back at GI when it came down to the award giving at the end of the year and therefore trusting their opinions when the subject about its validity was contested. Now that you're a much smaller team, do you feel any pressure to play more than you normally do in order to give you some insight to the possible contenders for Game of the Year? Yeah. 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 I, I think we all do, but not... Not because we have to, not for the sake of arguing against other people, mm-hmm. I think was it sometimes fell into that category at Game Informer, but I think we just want all of us to play as much of these games as we can so that we can talk about them yeah. competently. I'm trying to think of like the actual difference that it makes, because I do a lot of playing the first couple hours of a game, stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, but it's like, I don't know if I would have actually played through Control if... It, I didn't feel like, oh, I feel like I need to speak to this. Yeah, it's not really my cup of tea. I'm not a huge Remedy person, but then playing it, I was like, oh, I really love it. It's one of my favorite games of the year. But you love, like, Twin Peaks and stuff, right? No, I do not. Oh, really? I've never seen Twin Peaks. (laughs) All right. I'm sorry. Um, But so, yeah, a little bit of pressure. But I don't feel like, oh, God, I need to go completely outside of my comfort zone. I didn't feel compelled to check out War Groove in retrospect or anything. We're all also trying to be healthy about it as well. (laughs) But I think like outside of Surreal being the fighting game guy, which we still, you know, Hanson, you played Mortal Kombat and kind of tried to keep up on that stuff. Mm -hmm. We don't have, we don't have any like super niche experts. And so we just try and everybody play a little of as much stuff as we can. There it is. Be able to talk about it. James Smith says, hey, Handsome and the status status cohorts. Sure. Okay. <laughs> can you make a bunch of dumb faces so we can make emotes for the Discord? Now, look, this is a lot. This is way too much pressure. <laughs> yeah. And everybody we just wants... We do it all the time anyway. Yeah, everybody just wants Jeffem's face anyway. So I'll go man the <laughs> camera and zoom it in on Jeff. No, <laughs> come on. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? Happy. <laughs> Sad. <laughs> Angry. Taking a poop. That <laughs> was and the same. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That is art. We did it. There we go. That we is did. art. There you go, Discord. Uh, <laughs> Have enjoy that. There's already like a hundred emojis of me to begin with. <laughs> well, that was a hundred more. Great. Mark Ramirez says, hey, Ben and cohort loving computers. <laughs> On MinFacts this week, uh, Ben That's said good. he's never seen Stranger Things. Look at this. Oh. You did. What is, what is the biggest TV show you've missed out on in the last few years? And do you regret it? For me, it would be Game of Thrones. I hope you regret it because Game of Thrones is great. I don't care what people say about the finale. Yeah, <laughs> mine is Watchmen because you oh, guys yeah. won't stop mm. talking about it. And you have to give me your uncle's login. <laughs> Come on. I'm asking for my uncle's login. <laughs> uh, definitely Breaking Bad. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I also Any haven't seen Stranger Things. Oh. Yeah. Am I, I missing out by not watching Stranger Things? No, Stranger Things is fun. Okay. It's just it's mostly, fine. Yeah. yeah, it's just mostly just that it's become so ubiquitous now. You yeah. know what I mean? So, but I mean, you just watch that opening, like, you know, the, the Stranger Things title and the music. I mean, you get I get it. the idea. Yeah. Okay. I'm also, I'm in a weird Breaking Bad boat too, where like, I how many seasons are there? Six? Ten? I don't watched, know. <laughs> there's six, I don't know. I haven't seen it. Five or I've six, watched yeah. the first five and a half seasons and I've. Have just so forever putting off close. the last half of the last season, which is really? so dumb. Like oh, it's so wow. weird. Yeah, you don't want it to end. You want them to be making meth have... forever. <laughs> but it's it's funny because now we've hit that point where like the ending comes up casually. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Like there was a Michael McKeon interview on um, yeah. Andy Richter's podcast, and they were just sort of like dancing around how satisfying the end of Breaking Bad was, and I was like, fifteen seconds, fifteen seconds, and it's like <laughs> this is stupid. Like I just need to finish it already. Yeah, you should you know? do that. Also, I haven't seen Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec and Twin Peaks are up there. You would love Parks and Rec. I know I would. I know I would. It made me laugh. Like, I watched one episode, I remember, years ago, and it's the hardest I've laughed at TV in years, which was the stop-motion animation uh, from (laughs) Ben, which is like Requiem for a Tuesday. Like, it annihilated me. (laughs) I would also really like you to finish Good Place, too. I don't know. Have you finished Good Place yet? No. I haven't uh, finished it yet, but I love that show. Good Place is amazing, yeah. Ending is very good. Too busy watching it. Cheer on Netflix. Y'all watching that Cheer documentary series? Oh, it's about amazing. Cheers? It's about cheerleaders. Oh, oh. cheerleaders. Okay. Yeah, but it's made, I think, by the same people that made like Last Chance You. If you watch that football series, which is also incredible. I'm doing. If you like sports drama uh, <laughs> and documentaries, yeah, Cheer is very, very good. All right. Anyways, uh, Eric. Oh, correction. Sincerely, Eric. Interesting oh. name. Says, what is your favorite map in any game or map feature? I've been playing Dragon Quest XI recently, and it is the first time I've thought, hmm, that's a good map. <laughs> <laughs> I love, like, Resident Evil 2's map, specifically yeah. when it lets you know that the room is clear. Like, that, hey, there's something lingering in this room, then when you get it, then it's like, okay. Mm, goes from red to all green. All done. Yeah. I good. really like Breath of the Wild's map when they updated the game to show you where you've been. Ooh, oh, that is cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that a lot. You know what? Someone on, I don't know who it was, they they got theirs after their whatever 100, 200 hour gameplay session and like printed it out and like framed it. Oh, that's which cool. Which I thought was just kind of a cool idea. Yeah. Of like yeah. this was my experience with that game. You, know? you get the tattoo. I'm good on tattoos, yeah. I think. <laughs> uh, mine was Wind Waker just because you could write your own notes on the map, which yeah. kind of goes back to yeah. that idea of like anytime a game... Not just not just putting down a waypoint, but when mm-hmm. you can like start marking multiple things. I can't remember which game you could also like. Well, maybe it was Breath, Breath of the Wild. Where you could you could choose the symbol. Yeah, yeah, I like that smart. kind of stuff. Wait, this is the Wii U version of Wind Waker. You could take notes. Yeah, or was it? Are you taking? A Am I thinking Phantom Hourglass? For I think DS? you're thinking of Phantom Hourglass. The one with the boat. You're going around on a there. Are, there are a couple. Yeah, boat. I think, but for sure, regardless the of which DS one you're one. thinking of, yeah, yeah, Phantom yeah. Hourglass, you could definitely write your own okay. notes and stuff, which yeah. is very cool. Yeah. And then wasn't there that one puzzle where you had to slam your yes, DS and that yeah. blew my effing mind as well. <laughs> That's yeah. cool. Uh, Eric also says, also Kyle, have you watched Jay and Silent Bob reboot yet? You coward. Do I, I have think, to? I think I have to agree with Ben that it may not be the best movie for everyone, but I personally loved it. But Ben, can we agree that Kyle, as a father and a fan of Batman, would love the Ben Affleck scene? Uh, oh, so am I the only weirdo who cried during that scene? It's my Holden Bolden with Holden <laughs> McNeil. <laughs> Can I just watch that one scene? Probably, that? yeah. yeah. All right, maybe I'll do no, that. no, no. You need to watch Jane Silent Bob Reboot. All right. You haven't lived until we've done the commentary track for Jane Silent Bob Reboot. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Uh, Adam Cohen says, I love playing tabletop games, and I enjoy playing a variety. We even have a games library here in Tallahassee. Where I can rent games instead of having to buy them to try out. Yeah, same here in Minnesota. It's very cool. It's a, all Systems Go does that, which is great. The problem with new tabletop games, though, is having to learn the rules of every new game. It can be a bit overwhelming uh, with some of even the medium-heavy rules. Some of the rule books are written very poorly, and often YouTube videos don't help very much. Do you have any strategies for learning new tabletop games? Ooh. Uh, yeah, that's... I mean, it ultimately is YouTube youtube tutorials but don't do the i if you if you really want to learn a game look for there are specific ones where they just teach the rules and don't go by the 
by ones that are also reviews because the reviews right. just try and give you a kind of an overview of what's going on. Whereas I want to see look up how to play. Yeah. Yes. How right. to play. Uh, I think there's one guy I want to say his name is John Gitz games or something like that. Sorry. I don't have the exact one, but there, there are a couple of YouTubers who are really good at just doing those specific ones and also check in the rule book, a lot of publishers are starting to create like their own tutorials or they'll have apps that will teach you how to do them. Yeah. And they'll usually mention that in rule books. And overall, this is a lesson for me that I need to remind myself of is it's be patient. Like there's mm-hmm. been almost every one of my favorite games, honestly, I've started out trying to learn and thought, well, F this. I'll never learn this. I hate it. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, yeah, you idiot. It's just every time. It's just... It's the oldest song and dance in the book, as they say. It's just every time I think I don't like this, and then I play a couple games, like, oh, no, turns out I love this game. I just needed to have that ounce of patience within my soul. Yeah, you got to have that practice game where you you start actually going through things instead of just trying to learn from the manual. Take it. Take it. I mean, the way I learn, I'm terrible at absorbing information from reading rules. (laughs) Uh Like, just rules do not teach me how the game actually works. I need to, like put the pieces down and like run through a very basic yes. game. And mm-hmm. I love tabletop games that have like the simple shortcut of just mm-hmm. steps one through five and yep. repeat. Like yep. they don't need to be embarrassed about hiding that. Just put mm-hmm. it on front street. Uh, Jacob Shoemaker uh, is asking if you've played Wingspan, Jeff. I haven't. No, okay. But that, that was a huge one from last year that everyone was losing their minds. About, yeah. We so. should play it at some point. Yep. Uh, Phil S says, simple question for your physical game cases. If they have art printed on the inside of the case, do you flip the cover art? Or maybe the better question is, do you even still have physical games? I like physical games. It's a great question. Um, I, I flip mine. You flip yours? Mm-hmm. I yeah, I did in the past, but now I'm a little bit hesitant. I like, I like, I like to keep consistent it, spines. Yeah, yeah, a good consistent spine, which reminds me. That was another that we almost called a min-max that. Remember? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> good consistent spine. Uh, which reminds me, Patrick Polk says, hey, everyone, I'm one of those old people, congratulations, who still prefers physical media. Also, I really like good-looking typography. Hmm. I was looking Ooh. at my Switch games the other day, and I realized that the one I own with stylized typeface on the spine, the only Switch game with stylized typeface is... The Binding of Isaac. <laughs> no. Super Bomberman R. <laughs> that game kind of sucks. Why <laughs> yeah, but does... it has Pyramid in it. <laughs> That's right. That was so weird. <laughs> Why does such a mediocre game get such special treatment? If only there were a recurring segment on the show to inform me about interesting aspects of otherwise unremarkable games. Yeah, I know. You know, the real answer to that is because it was a launch title and they, there was probably no consistency yet. Like now, they're, like, they probably well, I request wonder, that you have a specific font or something. Do you think it's a Konami thing, though? Because Konami has not released that many games on the Switch, so maybe mm. that's a standard for them, but then nobody else? I like, did the Contra game? I th- honestly, I think probably they knew that they had kind of a title that might not sell gangbusters, and so they just stylized it to make it stand out more. Maybe. But yeah. doesn't everybody want to do that? I mean, maybe it was also during a time, like you were saying, where they could get away with it. Yeah. Um, it turns out you can't easily hard Google, Google. <laughs> Contra Rogue Core Switch Case Spine very easily. But. Full box art, maybe? I don't know. Someone scanned it or eh, something. It's confusing. Um, Whatever. We should take a lot of time on it. It's really... <laughs> we can. Uh, but I do I do also I like physical games uh, in general. Beautiful. Lewis Kane says, do you prefer Schreier-style long reads of the ins and outs of big stories and shakeups in the game industry or the bite-sized tweets you get from accounts like Wario64 and Nebelian? Gotta be honest, seeing it summed up in one or two tweets does a lot more for me than a massive article, but I do appreciate the work that goes in. 
Guess I'm a bad and lazy person. <laughs> I, you know, the combo. I like yeah. the abbreviated tweets from Jason Schreier linking to the long form reads on Kotaku to learn all about that it. you don't yeah. click into. I, I read, I read no. his. Yeah, some of those I want to read, then I look at it, it's like, oh, this is way too long for a topic that I'm barely interested in. Mm -hmm. I just yeah, can't the, do it. there's a place for both, and I think if you're not super invested into a topic, then the bite-sized tweets are fine. But I mean, otherwise, we can't just have one or the other. Like, yeah. yeah, it, it just I wouldn't guess. work. Lewis says, uh, follow-up question, if you're interested, I am. Why are there so few Schreier types in the Games Press? It seems really odd he's the one go-to scoops guy for what seems like the entire industry. Um, interesting question. Um, oh, I think other people do it, but he's definitely been the best over the last five years or so. I mean, he's had the opportunity to do it consistently for a long time, you know, which is rare for someone like I would say like an, an Imran would certainly have the potential to do work like Schreier if he you know been able to stay in one place for a long period mm -hmm. of time you know but I don't know if Imran's interested in that long form true yeah feature format but in terms of like contacts and stuff angle. like that like yeah. Imran is one of those guys who knows a lot of people who you know knows a lot of stuff that's going on in the background yeah. you know and um, the nice thing with Jason Schreier too is yeah I mean he's been talking to so many devs for so long that yeah. he's become the go-to guy if you're a developer and it's like uh oh. This is kind of some shady practice. I like to leak it to somebody, which I think is how those discussions probably go internally. <laughs> then it's like, all right, I guess Asian Schreier is the person to go to, right? Yeah, he's just, built a little mini brand within Kotaku. Which and is he's, really he's earned that reputation. To be yeah, fair. I love like, his long yeah, form. Yeah, and and I mean, Kotaku as an organization has allowed for that kind of position to exist. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, a lot of it, it all comes down to what the organization wants. You mm -hmm. know, like for us, it was a, a much shallower look at news and that tried to cover a lot of different things mm -hmm. and if you if we had a spot you know like that where it was like okay this is your job you're the scoop guy go out and find those just those scoops and write long form features on them you know then oh. you would have more people but not a lot of not a lot of outlets want to want to just fund right. that kind of yeah person. like a lot of it comes down to money like and whether or not you your outlet can withstand maybe being blacklisted or That's something, yeah. something yeah. like that. And Kotaku is one of those outlets that can definitely do that. Mm -hmm. And so they can afford to have a guy on their staff who is putting the majority of his effort behind those long form articles. Which, sometimes being a little stinker. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> being a little stinker. But uh, uh, otherwise, like... A lot of art, a lot of places have to do those shorter pieces because mm -hmm. that's what makes them money. Like, I think the blacklisting angle is really interesting because yeah, yeah. I mean, Kotaku is not relying heavily on publishers for access, previews, stuff like that. And when you're not dependent on that relationship, you're a little bit more free to be like, well, here's the truth. Mm -hmm. This is what developers are telling me. Let's blast it out there, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean, we should also mention that like. Mike Futter tried to do that for us for a, for a yeah. long time, you know, like th that Former was news editor, yeah. that was his that was his interest, but he also had to manage that against what we were what, you know, like management wanted, which was more covering everything and he mm -hmm. was kind of our news guy, so he really had to I mean, he was burning the candle at both ends in terms of trying to chase those longer features and get those scoops, which he yeah. you know, which he did a fair amount of mm -hmm. and he but it was against all the other work that he had to do and which role, you know, he right. had to serve two masters in that sense. Yeah. There, yeah. There's a lot of a lot of systemic forces kind of arrayed to cool that sort of reporting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. 
I think that's right. Uh, Roberto Zayas says, who's the biggest recurring bullet sponge character in video games? I still haven't seen a game that takes less than 50 bullets slash arrows to kill a bear. <laughs> Is bear just number one archetype for bullet sponge? No, I, it's, the, it's, a, it's a fat man. Fat man in armor? Yeah, yep. yeah. Just yeah. Uh, not even necessarily in armor. But what is it's, a bear but a big fat man? <laughs> but could he beat a knight is the all, is the other question. <laughs> yeah, as well. that's a very but important But no, I, I would say it's it's the juggernaut guy, which is kind of the fat guy, but also has, you know, like mm. that very like every game, no matter what yeah. franchise it is, you know, it's always like big plated armor. Everywhere. And then he has the minigun normally as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Stumps around. Yeah. yeah. God, what was that? Was it control? There's some game I just played with that. Yeah, yeah there's a minigun had a big mini guy with armor. And okay, control, I think. so yeah. yeah. All right, so big fat guy with armor, potential yeah. minigun that uh, beats a bear, which is unfo- <laughs> which is unfortunate. Like it'd be nice if there was the mo- the it'd be nice if like the most common representation of like a fat person <laughs> in our games was not an enemy that you shoot a lot. <laughs> so you want more fat glass cannons? I mean, I would like maybe more main characters that and, and are fat. It, it's also, Hang on. It's also kind of, okay. it's also an absurd idea of like, well, yeah, you know, the bigger the guy, the more bullets he's going to take. <laughs> Good luck it's shooting like, through that fat. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's the armor. It's the armor. The, the, the armor can go on anyone. Right. You know? uh, okay, fat main characters. Yeah. Overweight main characters. Let's really try and think. Because yep. there's like the jokey, you could probably say, you know, Pac-Man or something, right? But are there any... I mean, outside of fighting games? Ooh, oh, yeah, fighting ooh, games ooh. is good. Yeah. Let's say outside of fighting games. Yeah. That's a great suggestion, though. Um, hang on. We're going to sit here till we think of one. What was that uh, attack, the weak, weak point for massive damage game? Genji? Night? Oh, I think Genji, one of the playable characters, was a large fellow. One of the playable characters. I mean... Yeah. But again, that kind of gets an action f- game, you know, which is okay. Different genre, at least. Yeah, I think we can all agree that it's always offensive, no matter what, when it's represented. Because right? you're usually like, oh, it's, I'm it's just a hot dog. Yeah, first. yeah, it's it's Fat Nathan Drake, right? Right. Oh, sure. Yeah, it's just which that. is like an unlockable skin, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like it's usually played as a joke or like the, the weird justification that it takes more bullets to kill an yeah. enemy. Um, <laughs> There's actually several presidential assassinations for Taft, but they just couldn't get through. <laughs> they, <laughs> they, had right. through the they had to That's break down the so armor durable. first. Yeah. That's right. Um, uh, Aaron Capo has a killer question. Says, uh, "Who built the moon?" Somebody it, want to take that? One? Uh, is this a destiny question? <laughs> I don't think so. Don't, it, but it is know. your destiny to answer this question, Jack. Yeah, I think, what was it, uh, some sort of meteor hit the Earth the and then the crap went around there? The I mean, crap I, went around there? <laughs> I mean, Science? I think the cow jumped over the moon and then it, like, or whatever was mm-hmm. the moon. This sounds and then right. This a bunch of right. milk came out and it became cheese. Yeah. Speaking so really of cows. Okay. Well, yeah. that's a nice segue. Um, we have a, another question here, a very sexy question uh, from Glenn Hawthorne oh. saying, hey, Ben and the IT crowd. Sure. Uh, with this week being Valentine's Day. Let's get romantic. Oh, no. With a question and a challenge to some, he says. Challenge to some. Sounds about right. I don't know. <laughs> it, Glenn says, uh, first off, what is the cheesiest or cringiest thing you've ever done for a Valentine? Man, I don't know. I'm not answering that question. Okay. All right. I, mean, I, I wish I, I, yeah, I'm not trying to be coy. I don't, 
I'm not a very cheesy romantic person. Even like in middle school? I, I was going to say like elementary school when you had to, but that was just you got a Valentine for everyone with some candy. And that kind was of really weird, wasn't it? And then that it's was, like, okay, you have the yeah. hearts with the love you on it and all that weird stuff. Why? Like, why did, why did we do that? Why was that a thing in school? I don't, I don't know. know. This is a good reminder that I got to go get my kids some Valentine's <laughs> to take do to they school. Still do they still do that? Yeah, they just hand out cards with like Ninja Turtles on them or whatever. Yeah, that was really cool. stressful. It was like, okay, you have your crushes in elementary school, and now this one day is just going to be a lightning rod, like center point for. I just remember being so stressed out of like, oh, I got to hand this card to Ashley Christensen. Oh, God. Like, <laughs> and then so everybody nervous. else. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I actually batted all the other ones away. <laughs> Eat my candy. Anyways, that's a very personal look. Um, then, um, let's see. Oh, boy. My challenge as well is to come up with something to write on your profile page for a dating app to make it stand out. Now, this is a challenge. Oh. This is a tricky one. Okay. No, I have a great... I have, I have, my, my dating profile is great. Really? Yeah. Do you want to... I won't make you read it, but suggestions. I mean... It could be broad or specific. On my profile, I mentioned that I've seen every single Godzilla movie. Very good. <laughs> um, and very good. I promise that that's not going to change going forward. <laughs> uh, so they know that I'm consistent. If new ones come out. How yeah. was that last one? King of the Monsters? Is that what that was called? It, it was everything I wanted from a Godzilla movie. Oh, okay. So good. Yeah. Better than 2014? Oh, way better than 2014. Really? I did. I I hated the main character in the 2014 movie because yeah. it's not a giant lizard, right? <laughs> well, I mean, like you can do a movie where the main character isn't a giant lizard, which is basically what Shin Godzilla was. Yeah, which was great. Um, but the the 20 the the newest one, that one uh, that one is just squarely about the monsters fighting, and I'm perfectly okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. There were other themes in there somewhere, but. You know, it's basically it. It fulfilled like the childhood thing of you know mashing these action figures together. Where does your mm. love of giant monsters fighting? I mean, we all like it. Yeah. But the fact that you're like, this is my jam, is a very <laughs> specific beat that I don't quite understand. I mean, I think it sets the tone that I'm kind of a weird person. Okay. Um, but <laughs> also, like, it's very personal to me because like my dad would go on a lot of business trips when I was a kid, and one of the things he brought back when I was like. Five was a VHS copy of Godzilla versus King Kong. Ooh, mm. that's fun. Oh, okay. Which is a fun Godzilla movie. And like when you're a little kid, it's like it's like one of the coolest things mm. to watch these giant monsters. Like, and you're not seeing it anywhere else, right? Power Rangers. Um, I mean, like kind of Power Rangers, but like in Power Rangers, they're not like destroying cities. Right. Like they are giant monsters, but they're not like blowing up entire apartment complexes or whatever yeah um and uh yeah just from from there there's like that weird kind of family connection and, right right uh then you know there's also sunk cost fallacy like i've seen <laughs> right. all of them and <laughs> so many of them are really going. bad yeah <laughs> okay anyways but yeah beyond that uh Several paragraph description of why you love. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> two sentences. Okay, but are there other yeah. lessons or specific pinpoints on a dating profile? I mean, honestly, just talk about whatever makes you weird and like oh, interesting. makes you stand out because. But every, not too much. Not too much, but like everyone's like, "Hey, I like traveling, the ocean, and traveling, <laughs> yeah, and like it's in the office, and, yeah, and an office quote." Like it, the thing is, from my experience with it, is just like give people. Uh, something to hang their coat on. Give them an entry point. Just yep. like make as many handholds as possible. You know, don't just say 
I like podcasts say, this is the best podcast of all time, and this episode is the greatest. You know, or just like come up with opinions just for so somebody has an opening other than right. Hey, show me your ass. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I wish that more people. I've never been in this world. So <laughs> that's I'm majority. Today. Yeah, a lot of people are. <laughs> <laughs> it's it it doesn't go well for them. Yeah, uh, that's a good time. Anyways, uh, <laughs> sounds Caleb, like a good time. Yeah, you got to check it out. Yeah. <laughs> Caleb Bone says on the topic of getting better, what is something? Oh boy, do you guys want to do this one? This is a weird one. What is <laughs> we something? Don't know yet. <laughs> what is something you know or have observed uh, observed about one of the other MinMax hosts that they don't know about themselves, but they should know? Something they. Uh, is this just asking us to neg each other? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, there's a lot of quirks. Usually they're negative. I don't know you as well, Jack, but for these two, I think of like, oh, I notice like little quirks, but it's weird to call it out. Like, I notice when your breathing changes, Kyle, when you're less confident on a topic or something. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I can hear it in editing, too. Yeah, you like to call us out live. Like, you, <laughs> like uh, telling Serial maybe he talks too fast. And I put cut him that on the out spot. of the podcast. Oh, you did? <laughs> hey, dick. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> can you cut this out, too? No. Oh, no. <laughs> this is what they want. Yeah. Now, there's something that Jeffen doesn't know about himself. Um... <laughs> He makes good faces. Yeah, he does ham it up for the camera, maybe more. Uh, yeah, he's oh, oh, he's the greatest uh, pratfall comedian of all time. I don't think he that is true. That. that is true. Are you? Yep. No, well, he doesn't know, so no, don't ask him. Then why are you not in your head? <laughs> <laughs> what I talked about in the MinFacts episode, Kyle, where people made me watch uh, your oh, YouTube God. video from 2006 that you made How with your did buddy. You watch? Just the one, but it was oh, okay, unforgettable. Okay. But good. in that, I That's talked I about, and I think I've talked to you about it too. But I think you're quietly more confident and hammy. I, that's a twofer. Yeah, I think then you talk about know. it a lot. It bothers you how confident I am. It does bother me. You you are crazy confident. Really? I don't know. It doesn't. Make I don't sense. know anyone else who would have gotten on camera and done their own attempt to recreate the opera scene oh, from oh. Fifth Element. Yeah, that's for charity. And you did that. Yeah, I will for I, charity I, I for think, the kids. I don't remember said this before, but like I I will say like on camera, I'm I'm happy to do embarrassing things and have fun. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Be silly, but that is the. The Hanson found the line. I think it was Hanson and my sister came up with this idea. Like, found the line where I was truly embarrassed. Like, really? If, yeah. Like, if <laughs> if that gets brought up and people like pull, like, oh, you should see this video, of Kyle. Like, I oh, don't no. want to see it. Like, I don't want to <laughs> oh, be no. near it. Like, it is the maybe the one instance where I'm like genuinely embarrassed about uh about really that, so. and what was it i had to put on blue face paint makeup and a sonic hat and i had on a blue shirt oh, on. no i know that that's <laughs> that's what you're saying you were embarrassed about yeah you act like this is not an embarrassing <laughs> thing and singing the fifth element opera yeah that was terrible that was awful <laughs> i've seen it multiple times <laughs> but yeah i didn't i didn't realize that you were embarrassed about it it's i think it is the one like thing that i'm mm -hmm. like i get uncomfortable about when people like pull it up on video and like oh and it, here it is <laughs> but no, i think it's like connected in that minfax idea that we talked about with the old clip of just like uh, you like being a little hammier or like more oh, sure. attention seeking yeah. than people would expect i guess so yeah less so than in the past perhaps yeah but. what's wrong with you I don't know. I'm learning a lot about myself. I'm apparently insanely confident, which I uh, news to me. Yeah. No. Come on. You know. You yeah, I know. know. You're right. Come on, man. Uh, Chris Galar says, with Survivor returning this week, would you be interested in recording a short snippet with your thoughts on each week's episode? Um, I love Survivor, but there's so many Survivor podcasts out there. I didn't really want to do it, but it would be fun to do like a Mac spoilers at some point. I'd be for, a like, guest on one. What's that? Be a guest on one of those Survivor podcasts. <laughs> That's a good idea. I'll call you up. Okay. 
I've seen I don't the show too. Now. Yeah, there's probably somebody. Hey, Rob. Uh, Ryan Basadney says hello to Hank and the Bensons. You got it. 2019 was a big year for career changes. I ended a seven-year run as a stay-at-home dad and started over on a new career path. Nice. As you all have had big changes in your careers, what have been your biggest hardships and best successes? Any advice for big, abrupt career changes? <laughs> I'll let you know when I complete a career change. <laughs> Once one happens. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a tough question because I, I don't feel... I don't have the confidence to answer that question. <laughs> All right, I fair. mean, I guess, I guess, don't compare yourself to other people. Mm. Like that—that's a quick way to feel really. Can I swear on this podcast? Yes, it's a, it's a quick way to feel really shitty about yourself. Like, just just don't give in to that temptation. Because I'm just like the age thing of like, where was this person at this age and that type. Yeah, thing. yeah, like so much of our culture and encourages us to compare ourselves not only to celebrities but also to like people that we know mm-hmm. and uh, yeah everyone is on a different journey and it you know don't don't compare yourself to someone else yeah yeah and I would say uh, like and it sounds very generic but take a look at what your goals really are and what your fears are money does not play as big of a part in it as I think we 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 give it mm-hmm. in, in terms of like the importance like that that's one thing that i have noticed and especially as i get older like i my goal i always saw it as being like i want to retire early like yeah. like that that was my goal and that's what i was working towards and if your answer is what you want out of a career is retiring like you are definitely doing it wrong mm-hmm. because you are pushing the best years of your life you are pushing trying to push that or like the best experiences of your life you're mm-hmm. pushing into the worst years of your life if you are waiting until you are 65 to start going on vacations and to start taking up different hobbies like you should be doing those things now and you should be working towards whatever whatever your career is and we're all we are all in different situations and have different pressures and whatever and those change all the time but like Figure out what is actually going to make you happy and work that into what you are doing now mm-hmm. with your time. And and the same thing with fears. Like I think when I when I was started thinking about careers and every time I think like I gotta get back to a full time job, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I need that salary. When I actually sat down and looked at what is my fear here, like like why do I think I need to do this thing so so badly where I'm working five days a week, you know, in like eight hours a day or, or more like my when I when I really thought about it my fear was at you know I'm going to get to a place where I'm 80 years old and homeless mm-hmm. is like is, is ultimately what it comes down to if I'm 80 years old and I have to like downsize where I'm living because I don't have a lot of money I honestly don't care about that right. like like my wife's biggest dream is living in a tiny home so like that <laughs> that fear is like her dream and and I would totally <laughs> I would totally be fine about that like yeah. it is this irrational fear mm-hmm. that I've been working towards of like I'm I'm going to end up on the street someday and if I actually when you actually boil it down like that like the the possibility of that is super low and mm-hmm. like and the much greater fear like the the bigger possibility is that i'm going to spend the best years of my life with my nose to the grindstone like working for working and pushing out all the things that i want to do to where i'm too old to actually do them mm-hmm. and so like definitely just 
take the time and actually assess like what what do I really want to do? What's really going to make me happy? And what am I really afraid of? Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and that, work towards those things. That's really good advice. Like, I I don't want to get too personal here, oh, but like, there we go. <laughs> like when it came to like transitioning, I had to get to a point where I kind of had that same realization where it's like the reason I'm not doing this is to make other people more comfortable mm-hmm. and at the sacri- by sacrificing my own happiness mm-hmm. and just hitting the point where, no, I'm going to recognize what is going to make me happy and feel complete now instead of trying to find that in 20 years. Mm-hmm. Did you think about that? Like, oh, I can put this out for a while. I mean, that I yeah. A hundred percent. And I just reached a point where I was like, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and fam has a killer follow-up question saying, <laughs> uh, what's in your backlog right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. Okay. Oh, half that. the table here. Fix that. Yep. Uh, I guess in my mind, I still have like Division 2 in my backlog, but it's like, oh, that's right. I was purified by the coming of the new year, so I don't got to worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> Cat Crot. I, got, I yeah, need to get back to Cat Crot. I really Cat-crot. enjoyed it. Uh, Resident Evil 2 still from last oh, year. Oh, wow. Which I had to go back to. I and am... Control, which I have <laughs> oh, Kyle's yeah, you copy. Oh, copy. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, put that. I have, I have some that just kind of linger there for a long time. Like, for some reason, whenever I think of backlog, I think of uh, Bastion. Oh. Like, I don't know why. Weird. I don't know why that huh. specific one, because I think it just seems doable, and it's just a matter of me, like, sitting down oh, and Oh, you haven't it. played Bastion. Yeah, I haven't played Bastion. Like, I should oh. I should go play that one. Yeah, it'll you take know? you, like, six hours. Yeah, that's nothing. Yeah. That's, uh, like, one night of sleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Luigi's Mansion, I, I'm borrowing from a friend, too, and I need to, need to play oh, more of that. Speaking of Switch, uh, the Platinum. Astral Chain. Astral Chain. Yeah, I want to play that. You I won't. Know. You will never play Astral Chain. <laughs> Witcher three, yeah, Witcher exactly. three Switch is uh, on my backlog. That cartridge is in the Switch at least. So okay, progress. we're getting there. It's close. <laughs> Evan McHugh says, "Hey, not gonna lie. When the channel first started, I thought the be good part was cheesy. Is that how we phrased it? Yeah, <laughs> be good. Like, wait, I do say that at the end of the podcast. Um, but uh, it turns out it's one of my favorite parts of the conversation. Last mm. week's discussion about depression was interesting to hear, and it reminded me of all the times I've used video games to cope with depression." Do you think it's okay to get obsessed with a big game to distract yourself from depression, or does it foster a cycle of isolation, more depression? I'm going with the latter, personally. Chris, where you where you all land? Yeah, I, that's that's a tough question. Like it's and there's, there's, it's it's always hard to be like I know the answer, but like I do, I fear that idea of like I play games to ignore everything else around me. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know if that's great. You know what I mean? Like, but I think it's a lot of playing games mm-hmm. even personally yeah. it's like i just need to but even if it's like politics are like bumming you out and stuff and it's just like i don't i, I totally trying to forget all of that like i don't know it seems feels like dangerous to me but i i can it, i think the trick is to try to just enjoy games but don't use them as a way to like totally close yourself off you know yeah at least yeah. that's my kind of approach to it you know i i would say there's a differentiation between uh like using using games to take a break from something versus distract from something. And like we we all need those times where we can just have a breather, but it shouldn't be your main way of coping with something and you know like you, you need to work through your problems, you know. Yes, but you can not... take a break from them sometimes while you're doing that. Right. Even if you're playing Katamari, it's not going to greatly alleviate your depression if you're just sitting by yourself like, you know, 
the wisest man on earth we think we can all agree is Dr. Drew. Uh, but he had a good suggestion one time where he talked about like, oh, you can't change your brain chemistry on your own. Like the core mm. design of human beings is you need to interact with another living being to change the way that you're thinking. You can't mm. change the way you think in your own room by yourself. Mm. Right. And there, like even if you're talking with people, there is something about physically being present with other people that mm-hmm. actually gets the, your brain in gear. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I I I do I don't think there's any problem with pursuing something that makes you happy mm-hmm. while you're depressed. Like if gaming makes you happy, go ahead and give yourself license to do it and throw in other things that make you happy too. Um whether that's like going outside and just taking a walk around the block or like going to see your mom or mm-hmm calling up an old friend from high school and like going to hang out and get drinks or something yeah, like a little outside of the comfort zone. Yeah. Something things that will push you, but also will fulfill you. Mm-hmm. And gaming can definitely be a, be a part of that. Yeah. Um, let's see. Brian Brown says, hello everybody. Recently I was playing the kingdom hearts three DLC. That was extreme that I was extremely disappointed in, uh, because the series has still not wrapped up after hmm. the story has been going on for so long, which by the way, Kyle, do you remember weeks ago when you were joking about that Resetera thread that said, so oh. is Final Fantasy thirteen? Yeah, I've heard. Dead? It turns out... So I think versus, it's, is, is Versus thirteen coming out or what was like the Resetera thread? But I think that was tied to Kingdom Hearts 3's DLC. Yes. Yes, I've heard about this. Okay. After, after we talked about it, yeah, people were yeah. sending me messages about it. Yeah, I it's, guess there's there's like you play through like a whole yep. sequence that's you, like Versus thirteen. You, you play through... Spoilers. You pl- <laughs> yeah, you play through the... Um, uh, you want to bleep that? Yeah. You play through the uh, like original demo of Versus thirteen as Sora. That's so wild. Yeah. It also, I think I've told you many times that like even though Kingdom Hearts does nothing for you, like you should watch the beginning of the like the the introduction to entering the Toy Story world. Yep. You should check that out because I think even that is a factor, right, in all of it. Weird. Anyways, Brian's wondering, hey, uh, has an entry in a franchise ever had bad enough? Ever been bad enough or disappointing enough that it killed your love for the entire series? Has one entry killed your love for an entire series? Yep. Uh, Catherine. Oh, oh sure. Boy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the new so one, right? did that yeah. kill all Persona then? I, like, I, I might one day get around to playing Persona 5, but, like, okay. I haven't played any of the Persona games. Like, and part of it is I do like Catherine on some level, but the way it treats specifically its trans characters right. is just n- not great. And is this this was all. specifically for the re-release? No, for the original both. was for okay. both. Yeah, um, yeah. In the original, like one of the one of the main group of friends is trans, and the entire group just on her the entire time. Mm. Um, like very su- like it's it's subtle and like it's kind of treated as a reveal that she's trans, and then in the new version they got weird with it too yeah. and it's not great <laughs> your boy yeah, sure. so just like atlas in your mind just like Ugh. not it's not atlas specifically it's specifically the director of Catherine who mm. also directed persona 5 mm. oh interesting yeah. yeah huh um and yeah there's there's just some problems with with lgbtq representation sure. in the games that he oversees yeah. and it like to the point where it seems kind of weird okay but anyway huh. yeah yeah i don't 
uh, sort of in a like uh, in a less like personal way. There's like the like the, the entry that's just not as good as the previous ones. Mm-hmm. You know, like oh yeah, like Dead Space three or something. But like that certainly didn't. If a new Dead Space was announced, though, you'd be all oh, over yeah. it. Like it didn't yeah. really. I mean, I'm also that person that like you know that idea of like uh. So Luke, George Lucas ruined my childhood by changing Star Wars. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't buy into that stuff at all. Like, mm-hmm. those individual, like, versions of media, like, exist without the things that come after it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. having a, a sequel be disappointing doesn't make the original Yeah, retroactively worse. ruining something that you <laughs> yeah. enjoyed doesn't doesn't really happen for me either. I would say massive, Mass Effect Andromeda would be my game. It doesn't affect how I feel about the trilogy at all, but yeah. if a new Mass Effect game came out, I'd be a lot more skeptical about yeah. it, and yeah. I would want to know, you know... How they're fixing what what they did with Andromeda right. before I got excited about it. Yeah, going to a new galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Second one. <laughs> Zach says something I wasn't entirely clear on last week was Anna just a one-off guest or was she there because of Hyperdot or was she officially a new cohort or what's going on with her? <laughs> she was uh, a guest, but yeah. hopefully she's she's going to swing back, by in the future. Yeah, yeah, she's welcome to swing by whenever. Yeah. Um, so somewhere in between there. Um, but not related to Hyperdot. That's yeah. just a weird coincidence. Um, Fred DeNovo, killer question, says, best sitcom intro song? The answer is Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but I'm open to your silver medals. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you, Fred. Brooklyn Nine-Nine is very good. What is that one like? Blood, Sweat, and Tears? <laughs> oh, it is kind of like Blood, Sweat, and Tears. No. <laughs> okay. it cheers, right? Uh, cheers, yeah. Cheers is good. Have you it's seen it? <laughs> oh, there's a stupid YouTube video. <laughs> Where it's the opening of Cheers. I need to find this. Uh, you guys debate amongst okay. yourselves. Well, I mean, right now, Tim Turry is screaming Family Matters, right? <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. He is shrieking that. Actually, a recent one, it's not a sitcom, but I argue frequently to nobody in particular that the <laughs> Disney Channel show Star vs. the Forces of Evil uh-huh. has the best intro and intro song of any animated show since, like, Ninja Turtles. Like, it's... Is it a sitcom, though? No, it's not a sitcom. Okay. That's, I, no, yeah, yeah. But, disqualified. Uh, but it's funny. Uh, it's a funny show. Would it, would it defeat a knight? Oh, well, yes, they question. have the power of magic. And uh, Star versus, you want to do this I, Star versus the Forces of Evil? I can't remember it? if you hated it, Kyle, but the mm-hmm. Kimmy Schmidt song. Oh, who would hate oh, that? That's amazing. amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's I, I think, pretty good. I think that's on me out of the bus pretending I hate this then, amazing song. Then it, then it must have been Tim Turry. Really? What? Yes. Why? Probably because he loves Family Matters so much and he realized that it had been <laughs> dethroned. Uh, I know, I feel right. like it's a little bit overdone at this point, but even like, you gotta give it up. I think the American Office has a wonderful, very catchy intro. It's It's it's. Very pleasant. Um, yeah. Have you ever that Kimmy Schmidt one? Have you ever? They have like because the whole idea is a newscast that like mm-hmm. they songified. Mm-hmm. But you can find the sort of original newscast and the term "unbreakable" <laughs> that is like the hook of the whole th- the chorus of yeah. the song is just him talking about a pair of sunglasses he found <laughs> that <laughs> are right. unbreakable. It's such a great punchline. <laughs> yeah. Stupid. Uh, did you find this Cheers uh, thing? I did, but other uh, nominees: Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Oh, right. Always yeah. Delightful. oh yeah. 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 Just this last summer, I sat oh my at my lake place and watched an entire DVD's worth of Fresh Prince of Bel Air. It was very fun. Uh, friends. Friends, yeah. Eh. Also, I know not uh, the coolest move. Intro to Roseanne, I think, is very fun. Just like sure. the spinning camera around the family and stuff yeah. like yeah. that. I think Roseanne's flawless. Nothing So this is, it's a YouTube video from Neil Sissiorega. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Do you know this no. guy? No. Uh, I, think I, I think I might know him. <laughs> so it's just, yeah. just the Cheers intro. <laughs> I 
Uh, it's still showing just the regular Cheers <laughs> intro, by the way, as this music plays in the background. I don't know. Put that in the show description for you. Uh, okay, last one <laughs> is Stud Muffin. <laughs> says, hey, uh, everyone knows the rules of HQ trivia, right? You have 10 seconds to write down your answer to a multiple-choice question. One strike and you're out. Last one standing wins a bubbly out of the mini-fridge. Uh-huh. I see you know our setup quite <laughs> well here, said Muffin. Uh, that's complicated. Let's just go around the horn and, and do some good old-fashioned game trivia here. Ready? Okay. Um, question one. Jack. Yes. Which button is not found on a Wii remote slash nunchuck pair? Is it plus, X, or C? Um, X. Correct. Way to go. Very well done. Keeping score on this? Yeah, we're all cool. (laughs) How many years separate the NES and Wii re-releases, I'm sorry, the NES and Wii releases of A Boy (laughs) and His Blob? How many years are between it? Is it 19 years, 22 years, or, I'm sorry, 19, 24, or 29? 19, 24, or 29. Wii U release? Wii oh, release Wii. of Boy Who's Wii Blob. Wii release. Um, 1922 or 29? 1924 or 29? 24. Incorrect. That's embarrassing, Jeff. <laughs> this is embarrassing. The answer is 19. Um, I got a way easier question. Kyle yeah, Hilliard. <laughs> what yeah. is the Metacritic score for Portal? Is it 80, 85, or 90? 85. It is ninety. Good. That's the right answer. <laughs> I was just low. I was actually. Kyle just doesn't have faith in people. Jack, how many units did the Sega Dreamcast sell? Oh no. Two point five million, nine point one million, or twenty three point two million. I'm gonna go with the lowest one. Two point five million. Incorrect. Dang nine point one million. <laughs> Jeff Margifava, which Mario Kart title did Retro Studios contribute development resources to? <laughs> Mario Kart Double Dash. Mario Kart DS. Or Mario Kart 7? DS. Incorrect. Mario oh. Kart 7, ladies and gentlemen. Mario Kart 7. <laughs> Wait, which... Is that the 3DS one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. see, that was my... Because I, I was... I knew it was one of the handheld ones. Yeah, yeah. I would have gotten it wrong. Uh, Kyle, the yes. Oculus Quest had which code name? Santa Cruz, Santa's Sleigh, or Santa Hat? Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz! Way to go! <laughs> Jack, what torture... Did a user of the original N-Gage device have to subject themselves to in order to <laughs> insert a game? <laughs> Power the cycle the device, leaving it off for 30 seconds, remove the plastic cover and the battery compartment, or hold down on the D-pad while inserting the cartridge? <laughs> um, remove the batteries? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Change Insane. the game. It didn't have it, but I vaguely remember it having oh, to boy, do with the batteries. Boy, you missed out. Yeah, that, on that, that, that red faction port was out of this world. And <laughs> Tomb Raider, you could press a button so she would just run automatically. It made the game harder. Oh, didn't they God. do a full Oblivion port to the end well, game? There's an original Elder Scrolls game. Yeah. Which we once tried. We tried to break out once at Game Informer to see if there's any way for us to replay it. Yeah. There was not. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Argifaba, yeah. which of the following, this is up your alley, is not a Pac-Man ghost? Oh, my God. Inky, Clyde, or Winky? Oh. Winky. Correct. Come on. All right. That could have been a lot harder. Kyle, yeah. this yes. is a savage question according to Stud Muffin here. If you've played HQ, you remember. Okay. On the original Xbox controller, which button 
was closer to the bottom of the gamepad? Oh is it black, white, or neither? I'm going to say black. Oh, wait, wait. On the original Xbox. On the controller. original one? I think it's the A button. Or down on the D-pad. So are you going with neither? Wait, hold on. <laughs> is it black, white, or neither? Oh, neither. It's neither. Incorrect. It's black. Dang it. Okay, on the so Duke, they... the black was lower, but they reversed this in later iterations. I had it backwards. Okay. Mm. All right. Last one, Jack. According to a 2019 Forbes study, how much time does the average gamer spend playing video games per week? 3.6 hours, 7.7 hours, or 14.1 hours? I'm going to go with 7.7. 7. Correct! Jack's the winner at this point. Way to go. Oh, yeah, higher. Thanks, Stud Muffin. Um, what do you guys like for uh, Midbox Entry of the Week? Uh, high School Mascot Fighting. Yeah. <laughs> Do we all like high school mascot yeah. fighting? This is pretty fun. If the knight wins, then yes. <laughs> oh, wait, it's a very there's a lot of really good Got ones this week. All right, let's go. High school mascot fighting that is fabled Ursa. Nice, good job. Well done. Ursa. Ursa. Uh, I am 8 bit will ship you out the vinyl soundtrack for Sword and Sorcery. That's sweet. And if good you want to actually have That's that, you can cool. go to I am 8 bit.com and enter Minmax as a promo code. Let them know that we Sent sent you. you. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the discount. We're going to work on that. <laughs> the discount code is MinMax, no space, right? That's Two right. Ends. You okay. got it. Uh, you guys ready for a little something we call? Get a load of this? Yes. Yeah. I've got a load. No. You got it. No. Uh, all right, Jack, no. we'll make you go first because you're our guest, but you will be going next, so get ready. Ugh. Jeff, mark your father. Hey, get a load of this. Uh, so this is my most general one and i apologize for that people may already know this because it's now a an hbo show mm-hmm. but it blew my mind when i saw a random news story about it you know the uh mcdonald's uh mcdonald's monopoly game yes yes that mm-hmm. went on for mm-hmm. like 20 years or whatever mm-hmm. Yeah, and you could you could win a bunch of different prizes, including like a your dream home or a million dollars, and you had to get all the different little tabs from the Monopoly board. And it turns out it was rigged the entire time, yeah. oh and my you had gosh. absolutely no no ability to win it. And wasn't there some weird story where like somebody in the factory was like pulling the winning yeah, pieces? So apparently it was a an uh, security guy who worked with some firm that McDonald's hired and he just went by Uncle Jerry. <laughs> Uncle <laughs> yeah, Jerry. Sorry, I hope that wasn't I hope they didn't hire him thinking, "Oh yeah, Uncle Jerry's real good." But apparently between uh 1989 and 2001, he stole every single big ticket sticker for the game and he was he was giving them to like family members and then he was selling them and eventually the mafia got involved with it. What? And it, it went on for 12 years uh, for a total of $24 million worth of stuff that he <laughs> gave out. And it, it became a, like a huge FBI, like the FBI had an entire sting mm-hmm. against it and they, they finally caught him. And so and all of this came out like 20 years ago. Like there was a news story that came out and said it <laughs> yeah. happened, but it came, the story was published on. Uh, let me let me make sure here. September tenth, two thousand one. That's right. Oh, the day before right. September eleventh, oh, and so gosh. it was just completely buried. Yeah, and people didn't know about it. That's wild. And and like that, I it made it. This may be age dependent, but that totally blew my mind when I saw it because yeah. that was such a huge thing mm-hmm. in the nineties, mm-hmm. and I remember. 
we always played that game, and it was like, oh, we're you know, you're just one one sticker away from the big one, and turns out you were everyone was. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he took every single win, like every single apparent apparently like the houses and everything, piece. and and he would tell people like you know you got to go through someone like a family member or something out of state, and so like the FBI like did this big sting to try and like track down every single person who yeah. also like committed this crime. And how? How 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 did that not raise any bells? Like Uncle Jerry must have been like he he was you know, good at it apparently. Solid but it, snaking his yeah. way through the facility, <laughs> but it it just went on too long. They said, and so I guess <laughs> too uh, long. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> HBO is doing like an entire mini series on is it. it a documentary is, or yeah, it's a documentary. Okay. and it's being produced by Mark Wahlberg. For yeah. some reason, okay. which I can't think but, of anybody else. But apparently, uh, like <laughs> McDonald's actually like contributed to both the series and the FBI sting, and there were uh, there were some other like twists and stuff, which I won't say. But the show's called McMillions, apparently. There we and go. It, it goes through the entire drama. But love it. All right, Jack. Uh, today, yes, happens to be the thirtieth anniversary of. Super Mario Brothers 3. Really? Yep. Oh, weird. Yep. Um, cool. <laughs> how about That's that? That's cool. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't know how involved my fact had to be. Oh, no. no. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I blow it every fact. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, that's yeah. a cool th- that's Yeah, I totally missed that. So. Yeah, that is get a load of that. There you go. Yeah. yeah. I forgot to put it. Yeah, I was going to say you were disqualified, yeah, but I guess my... we'll. Do you, we'll do you all feel that. different about games that released before or after you were born? Like, there's something that makes me happy to be like, oh, I was two when that game came out. You know? Makes you happy? Yeah. Like I think you, so. You like knowing that you were alive when I something released for sale? I feel more connected to it compared to Super Mario 1, where it's like, oh, that's, I was dead when that came out. <laughs> you know? It's just like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, the line sort I of guess. starts at 85. Right. right. Like, real, like, for like, Mario Brothers and everything, like, and I was born in '85, so. Oh, there we go. I guess Pac-Man came up before mm. I was born. So. Is that where your red hair came from? It's kind of a subtle homage Pac-Man? to Mario. Oh, yeah, that's cool, man. Know? That's really cool. What's your <laughs> little little of this? <laughs> uh, let's see this. Uh, yeah, this this was just. Um, so this is there's the Mythic Quest Ravens Banquet show, which yeah. is like the Rob McElhaney. Yeah. Which like I haven't watched. I don't know anything. People seem to be pretty generally positive on it but uh he's done a couple interviews about it and i'll see if we can get this to work but he explains kind of like he's he's, he tells the story often about like he ubisoft approached him to make a show he wasn't really interested but they kind of like were like oh no no come on we want we want you to come to our studios and see stuff and he and so he explains like the thing that made him want to do it at at, while he was visiting a a ubisoft studio here and i see this guy so this is an interview with uh kfc radio of course it's a twitter account He's dressed head, toe, and black, right? And he's got these rings. This is and he's long beard, and he's got a cane, but he's got to be 35 oh, years old. Weird. And he's not <laughs> limping or anything. And the cane is just like an accoutrement, right? And he's just like walking, and I'm like, oh, hey, man. He's like, oh. And I'm like, so what do you, uh, what do, you do? He goes, I'm a creative director. And I was like, what's a creative director? And he sort of like looked out into the heavens, you know, or the fucking fluorescent lights. And he goes, brother, I build worlds. <laughs> I was like... Uh-huh. Hey, can you excuse me for one second? <laughs> I went outside. I was like, beep, pop, 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 beep. Charlie, we're doing a show about these motherfuckers. <laughs> so that's that's crazy. That's interesting. So um, obviously, <laughs> he is talking about. Uh, oh shoot, where is it? Okay. Yes, Ubisoft's sword fighting game. Yeah. Uh, Wait, why am I Jason Vanderberg. 
right? For Honor, thank you. Yes. Yeah, Jason Vanderberg, director <laughs> for Honor. If you've that he ba- Rob McElhaney described that guy yes. in full, mm-hmm. and so Jason Vanderberg tweeted out. Hey, Rob uh, McElhaney, very much looking forward to your new show also. And then he has a, a gif of Moana saying, you're welcome. Like basically, <laughs> but, and so that's all funny and interesting. But yeah. McElhaney replied to that tweet and said, ha, I was not. We've never met, but I'd like to. Ian is an amalgam of a bunch of uh, creative directors I met, plus a little of my own flair and a ton of creative license. But your beard game puts mine to shame. So some pointers would be appreciated. So basically he's <laughs> saying that it's like, that it wasn't him. That's nonsense. <laughs> Ubisoft? No, yeah. That's There's no way it was not Jason Vanderberg. Well, no, he's a liar. Yeah, or he just d- met so many people that he just doesn't remember or like... No, that, that's That's him p- trying to cover his legal yeah, butt. That's, yeah, that's so? like, like the legal? whole network thing of yeah, like, okay, oh, yeah, well, no, so. this isn't based on you. But right, like, right. Who else It's never been based be? on the city of uh, Philadelphia. A guy with a beard and like a, a, with a cane yes. who would say something like, I create worlds. <laughs> yeah, like, There's man. no way that was anybody. That's so weird. Uh, hey, get a load of this, Jeff. Um, oh, get a load of that. Oh, yeah, by the it. way, no, you're disqualified. Ah, so. That's right. <laughs> uh, I was listening to this interview recently with astronaut Garrett Reisman. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, As one does. That's right. And yeah. he was talking about when you're at the International Space Station, NASA, to raise morale, asks you, like, hey, is there any celebrity you want to talk to? Because we'll just call him up. <laughs> okay. And so he's like, yeah, I really want to talk to uh, was it Ron Moore, like the Battlestar Galactica mm. creator, because he really liked the show. So like, okay, no problem. And so they just called him up and talked. But can you imagine that? Just like, I, I couldn't find any record of this, but he was at the space station. He said, like, NASA totally does it. Because of course, like, who would turn down yeah, a call from right. the International Space Station? When NASA calls you, you pick up the phone yes. and you talk to whoever they tell you to. Exactly. <laughs> and then it's like, the question is, who would you call if you could call anybody? Mm, if you could call, call anybody? Yeah. I don't know. I was really thinking about it for a long time last night. I was like, I guess Spielberg is the person. Oh, sure. Because it's like, oh, you could go like Miyamoto. Like, I've talked to all my like gaming legends, my gaming heroes, but I guess Spielberg yeah. probably would, would we be heat, in right? space too? That's right. Okay. <laughs> Very important. Well, I, I just I want to know what we would talk about. And right, I assume right, it would right. be around being in space. Aliens and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You would have something to talk about. Yeah. yeah. They would be interested in talking to you. But uh, So then I was trying to find a record of this online of like what NASA calls this program, other celebrities that have been called from space. And I find this NPR article called How to Dial 911 from Space. It turns out that in order to make a call from the International Space Station, you have to dial 9 to get out. <laughs> and then 011 for an international line. But because of that, an astronaut at some point accidentally called 911. Perfect. And then oh, like boy. panicked and just like hung up. And then NASA sent him an email and said, hey, did you just call 911 from the space station? Like, What's going on up there? Yeah, exactly. What is, yeah, what is the uh, a caller ID look like? On yeah, that? I have no idea. Space and then station. Uh, Tim Peake, who's an astronaut, it was in this article, he tweeted out a while ago and he said, I, I'd like to apologize to the lady I just called by mistake <laughs> saying, hello, is this planet Earth? Not a prank call, just a wrong number. <laughs> Look at these astronauts just dialing wrong numbers well, from the, the space If station. the number is 9011, <laughs> I, I kind of I get it. You know? oh, yeah. What a silly world. Uh, 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 real quick, just uh, as a, an additional element of my get a load of this, I just want to point out that at, at Chris underscore Carl Four, he, he sent me that interview. So I just wanted uh, to give him okay. a head, like, thank you for sending me that interview. Mm, yes, very I, I feel like I was poorly prepared for this segment of the show. <laughs> 
compared to the rest that's of the stories. That's Ours, always like, how it goes. It did start off as like, hey, it was a funny tweet, but now they're sort yeah. of like growing and expanding. We should probably we tighten it up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Never. anyways, uh, thank you for getting a load of us, everybody, and oh. listening to this extra long episode of the Mid-Max Show. We hope you enjoyed <laughs> it. If you did enjoy it, please share it with a friend. We'd appreciate it. Um, be sure to check out The Deepest Dive. It is six hours of what I consider the best, most thorough discussion in podcast form about Crunch Trigger that has ever taken place on the internet. I'm you can confidently say that, yeah, right? So. Yeah. Well, yeah. have me say it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but please check that out. Uh, leave some feedback. Otherwise, if you're listening to this early, check out our tabletop stream for Patreon supporters uh, going right. live on Thursday. And the archive will be there if you can't make it live, anything like Ooh. that. But Jack, thank you for joining yes, us. Yes, thank you for yeah, coming. Thank you for having me. Anything you want to plug one more time? or um, Surreal's Twitter account, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> you can uh, check out my podcast, uh, The Best Games Period. We have um, a Patreon, patreon.com slash bestgamesperiod. Wow. Um, and I, you should also check out a podcast by Moonlight that I make with uh, former uh, Game Informer intern Marcus Stewart. Oh, yeah. And where we are doing a uh, Sailor Moon watch along. Oh, oh, boy. Which is quite interesting since neither of us have seen Sailor Moon before. Yeah. What's it called? Uh, a, a podcast by Moonlight. A podcast by Moonlight. It's a good name. Very yeah. interesting. I assume it's some clever play on something in Sailor Speaking Moon. Speaking of best Sailor theme Moon. songs, <laughs> Sailor really Moon. It's pretty good. Uh, and for all those serial fans out there, he is alive and well. Uh, he'll be back next week to talk about his big trip to Japan and everywhere else. But until next week, uh, be good, have fun, let's go! Let's go!